Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, full bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available. Gary Hoffman. Yeah. You baby? Shannon Barron. And I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. Listen, not everybody can be as smart. I'm just asking not to be completely in the dumbass department. Sometimes we slip up. Sometimes we have blue brain do, moments. Do we? We do. We, we certainly do. We do? That shirt, that's a slip up. You didn't mean to, did you? I like this shirt. What's I thought you would like this shirt. It's a baseball shirt, but it's a for band. Pink martini. <laughs> it's not a big... Ba- you mean it's a baseball style? Baseball style. Got it. Okay. I thought you would appreciate it. Did you know? You were uh, the one person I thought would appreciate it, you, and uh, you're the one person bagging on it. You you graciously gifted me a, uh, a Dr. Anthony Fauci high school basketball jersey yesterday. Is the, your wife the Regis excited? Ramblers. I think I gave it to my daughter. Okay. Uh, so that they can fight over it. And uh, she didn't know what it was. And I had to explain it to her, and she was like, that's smart. And I said, I know. So is Dr. Fauci. And, and get this, it's a basketball jersey. Like, he was a basketball player, and there's even a picture of a basketball on it. Yeah. But it's in a baseball style. Right. Clever. Which I thought you would enjoy. Clever. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome to day, to day Basketball. Why does it say air horn on here, Nick? It says air horn. It says, today is Friday air horn. What is Nick? Is Nick has he's, he's gone off the deep end? I thought we were joking about having cocaine delivered to the studio today. We were. I I did Google it, um, and uh, allegedly, it's a thing. Right? Well, you know, I couldn't really figure out. It said to go on Instagram and search the hashtags. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. So then I went to Instagram, oh God. and I searched hashtag. Cocaine, hashtag delivery, just because I wanted to know if it was a thing, not because we're actually ordering it. Everyone calm down. Yeah, my parents are listening. And nothing came up. Okay, well, then that's good. So that's the end of the trail, right? So that's right? the end of the trail. We tried. Uh, speaking of Instagram, later on today, <laughs> Yesterday, five, five o'clock. We almost what? bought a tricycle. Today, we almost bought cocaine. Although, do you know who is very in support of the idea of us riding tricycles around the office? Who? My wife. Really? Yes. She, I was surprisingly excited about the prospect of us, Danny from The Shining Style, riding through here and setting up courses like for races. I think it would be great too. Are we doing this? Are we feeling crazy? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Nick in the background. Uh, speaking of uh, Instagram, five o'clock tonight, we're doing our virtual happy hour. We'll get together and have an adult beverage of some responsible uh, choice, I suppose. And then uh, answer questions, whatever questions come up. 
like we saw Steve Gregory do earlier in this week. He answered just about every question that came up on his Instagram live. He also drank about six times the amount that we drink during our happy hour. I work a little harder than you do. This is true. I'm not going to dispute that. <laughs> I tried to get cocaine delivered this morning, okay? <laughs> That's, you're doing that. I'm fighting with the county of Los Angeles. Right. And, and you're trying to get cocaine delivered. I remember what it was like to work. Let me tell you something right now, and I'm going to put this on the record. You ready for this? Yeah. Mark this. You two, I miss in the field because I think you were incredible reporters in the field, and I wish we had you in the field still. Thank However, you. now, what are you saying that about now? You think we're, eh, you know, you two less than mediocre. In the field. Uh, I, I miss you two <laughs> in the field, and I wish you were in the field. Hey, uh, did it, you see this? That uh, the UC system, as well as California State University system, they're both suspending the use of the ACT and the SAT for next year. They're not going to take that into account when they do admissions for 2021, 2022. So if my son never took the SAT while he was in high school, does yeah. that mean he can now apply yes. to the UC system? Yes. I don't know if he's listening. I assume he's at work right now. But um, liberation is really the key of today. Uh, the president wants to liberate a few states that have been uh, uh, under the stay-at-home orders that he, I guess, believes shouldn't be. Liberate Minnesota, liberate Michigan, liberate Virginia, he wrote today. And these have been uh, the scenes of some of those uh, anti-shelter-in-place protests that have been going on. And... I don't quite understand the liberate Michigan necessarily because I know that Detroit, for example, is one of those areas that is seeing uh, incredible stress put on its hospital systems because of coronavirus. John was yapping the other day about other areas of Michigan, though, that are completely shuttered and they are not nearly as densely populated totally. as Detroit. Well, listen, South Dakota, I think, is the perfect example of this. South Dakota is a place where uh, shelter-in-place orders or the stay-at-home, safer-at-home, whatever, that's never been in place. Christy Noam, the governor. Easy. I didn't Stand say anything. down. She's a governor. She's a governor. Now Teddy's sad. Damn, girl. Uh, Christy Noam has said, listen, we we don't have very many people in the entire state, for one thing. And second... This is about people, me as a governor, saying to people, we need to keep other people safe and then allowing people their own personal responsibility. She was on Laura, Graham, uh, Laura Ingram last We've night. We've got one issue in a pork processing plant in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but outside of that, two-thirds of our state has no cases or one case in an entire county. Um, so we're doing very well as a state. We are addressing the one hot spot that we do have and aggressively testing in that area. But that's a, what you talked about, Laura, is exactly right, is we should be tracking who's in the hospital, um, what the death rate is, and some South Dakotans are doing a fantastic job following my recommendations, and we've been able to keep our businesses open and allow people to take on some personal responsibility. That's a key thing, I think, in terms of giving people the power to do this by themselves. I know that there will be a-holes who simply cannot figure out that their behavior impacts other people, and they'll want to go out and lick doorknobs and uh, cough on grocery store items and things like that. But South Dakota is a place. South Dakota... The entire state has less than 900,000 people. So if there's ever a place where you can not do a shelter-in-place order and do that high-speed contract, uh, sorry, contact tracing, that's a place that you're going to do it.
And, and the idea that this is that South Dakota is a hot spot now of uh, coronavirus is not necessarily true. Anyway. Here's the thing, though. You can't, unfortunately, trust people to behave the right way. Not everybody is you. And a, right. a lot of these these rules are in place for the idiots. There are a lot of idiots out there. But my point is, the how will we, well, it's not a it's not a gamble that I think a lot of people are willing to take. What percentage of people are just the a-holes who are going to ignore it? And what percentage of the population now says, I understand how dangerous this is. I understand it's highly contagious. I'm not going to stop wearing my mask or face covering when I'm out and about in public. And and those those uh, businesses that want to reopen, they can say, hey, if you're going to come in our business, if you're going to be in our brick and mortar store, please wear gloves and a mask yeah. or whatever. I mean, there, there are plenty of businesses who would who would, are dying for the opportunity to reopen with those social distancing uh, mechanisms in place. Well, we still have another month of this. And if today's freeway was any indicator of how well people are going to take another month of this, it's not well. I mean, that was a crowded freeway today. Yeah. More crowded, I think. I think the most crowded that I've seen since we began this. I do think there is there's a, a point. I don't know what it is. I don't know when it is. Yeah. Maybe it's when the weather, maybe it, we get three 80 degree days in a row. But it's probably going to spread like the virus. Yeah. That, that attitude of, you know what? F this. Um, speaking of F this, yesterday during the LA County Public Health Department update, Steve Gregory caused quite the Excitement, I guess you could say, and was basically deemed the hero of the day. Yeah, um, my understanding is that there are places that have offered you free products as a result of what uh, our friends at Bravery Brewing uh, offered you one million beers, which is a lot. I don't know if you've ever sat down and tried to make your way through a million. I mean, that question earned you beer for life. I just here's the thing. So I'm in that I'm in that news edit bay in there. I'm not watching the TV. I'm listening on the phone on a conference call. I'm recording it with the audio down when I, you know, so I don't really know what's going on until I heard, until Nick came in and said, Gary and Shannon want you, why? You know, cause I'm just doing my thing. I'm just like, what, why? Um, I had no idea the impact that was going to have because, you know, it's just, to me, it's just another line of questioning. And, but, uh, I didn't know anything about it till last night. Brian Suits sent me this picture. And I think that I forwarded those to you on yeah. your cell phone last yeah. night. Because I asked you, I said, what's this? I didn't know anything about this brewery. And Suits was there, apparently, and taking pictures of the the owner, I think Bart, Bart, Bart yeah. writing it on the thing when he says, Steve Gregory times one million beers. Yeah. I'm like, what? They have one of those, a lot of brewers do it, a pay it forward uh, area where oh, you can yeah. you could buy a beer for somebody in uniform oh, or an wow. LA County sheriff oh, cool. or a friend or whatever. Yeah, so okay. when they come in, they get a free yeah. beer. So you're on that list now from the owner, you get a million free ones. Here's the question that Steve asked yesterday at the end of the LA County update on coronavirus. As it relates to um, the, the cuts or furloughs. Your question was the setup initially was what's the County doing in respect of uh, furloughs and layoffs for non-essential personnel how have you redistributed those employees whose departments are closed or areas are closed? And will you ask your colleagues in the executives and whatnot to take a pay cut? Yes. And this is chair of the board, Catherine Barger, and this uh, answering. Is, just for transparency, this is a compressed version of events. Okay. As it relates to um, the, the cuts or furloughs, right now our CEO is putting together our budget and each department is going to put together a model that's going to have a uh, – 10 
20 or 25 percent cut. Um, that will include the executive office of which the Board of Supervisors falls under it. And so as we discuss the budget, we are going to look at all options, and, uh, and so you will see that playing out. So with that, um, we are now going to take down. we're now going to take questions in Spanish. Was another that was it? No, no, uh, no actually, I, I, I requested. Uh oh. I asked my question was about voluntary pay cuts. <laughs> are there any county executives, especially those making over a hundred thousand up to three or four hundred thousand dollars a year? Are there any executives that are going to be taking voluntary and, pay cuts? And what and what I told you is that each department is going to put together their budget. Um, I, I take pride in the fact that this county every year has put aside money for a rainy day and it was just for purposes like this where we have situations where economic downturn in this case it was a situation with COVID-19 and therefore I think it'd be premature to assume any of what you said as, a, as it relates to the scenario is going to take place but we have to be prepared and so all around the table but I, I mean to answer a question whether I'm going to require department heads or even people making X amount of dollars to take a pay cut, I think it's premature and pretty irresponsible, quite frankly. Ooh. So with that, now we will do question or remarks <laughs> in Spanish. And then that was oh uh, the commentary goodness. from yesterday's show as we were listening to it. Now, I think that she was calling the question irresponsible. We were trying to figure out if it would be if she meant it would be irresponsible to ask the department heads and the people making X amount of dollars to take a pay cut. I think she was calling you out and calling you irresponsible for a completely legitimate question. You're. Your explanation today on handle I thought was great because you're saying there's there's a reason for these updates. And in the first month, if you want to call it that, of these updates, it's to give everybody information, just strictly information. And in this case, it happens to be numbers, where people are being cared for, our hospital capacity, that type of thing. We've reached a pace now mm -hmm. or a uh, a plateau when it comes to that type of information that it's not changing drastically every day. We're not hitting the peaks that people were so concerned about. We're not hitting the dire situations where hospitals are overrun. And now it's time, a fully appropriate time, to start asking these other things about, uh, a, I guess, of a more political nature, specifically when it comes to funding and money. Well, accountability. Yeah. This and is the other thing. This is why I was also so happy. Because Catherine Barger is— Barger. Barger, whatever, represents the district in L.A. County— where those kids were dying. And she never would come on. I asked so many times of her press people, come on. You mean Lan Lancaster, Right, Palmdale, Gabriel yeah. Fernandez, Anthony Avalos. Like, come on and tell us what you're doing to fix the problem. We won't go after you for, for letting the problem happen on your watch, but come on and tell us what the county is going to do different. Right. so that the looking kids forward. Yes, and yeah. she wouldn't. There was no accountability. It was complete stonewall. So when you're pressing her, it made me very happy because this is somebody who chronically stonewalls the media. And it, 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 I thought you were going to go there for a second, Gary, talking about the fact that um, we've hit that sort of pivotal point where as reporters in the beginning, no, you know, it was sort of an unwritten rule in talking to all my colleagues that we're not going to go after them because, you know, we're talking about death and, and we're talking about testing and, and people we don't, it's an unknown and we have no idea what's happening. As you say, we've kind of hit a pace now. We've kind of hit the, 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 we know what's happening. We know how to handle it. Everyone knows to wash their hands, wear the face coverings, stay six feet apart. People know where to go to get help. They know where the websites to go. They all know all the basics now. But when you start seeing things like, you know, the county spent $400,000 for two PR firms to tell people to wash hands in different languages. And, um, and I'm not even joking. I mean, that's exactly what I was told that most of that went to is to, to formulate campaigns 
in other languages and do other things. And there are other municipalities we're seeing across the country that have to cut people. Right. Um, because the tax money is not coming into the county like usual. It's a completely legitimate question that all options are on the table because, as you said, we don't know where we're headed. We don't know how bad it's going to get. We don't know how long we're going to be here. And read between the lines. If you listen to her answer very closely, obviously I caught her off guard because she also said, I'm asking my department heads to formulate budgets where there's going to be 10, 15, 20 percent cuts in them, including the executive area, which we're a part of. She never said including us as board of supervisors, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, so that poor person over there that's the transcriptionist is probably right. going to get fired. And then that's why I kept saying voluntary pay cuts. I never told, I never asked whether she's going to tell people to take a voluntary pay cut. I'm just asking to if, tell, if people to tell people yeah. to take a voluntary pay cut. Are you are, are 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 people going to take voluntary pay cuts? Is what my question was. Right. And, and her answer should have been, as a good politician, if it means saving people in my office, I would take a, a voluntary pay cut. Well, and then, you but, know, that's all you have to say. It does. It's, it's, you're not promising it, but you mm -hmm. just say if it comes down to saving jobs or me taking a pay cut for six months that the county will then reimburse me in a year. That's that's what you say. Well, and I'm looking at this from another version, too, because I also ask the same questions to Mayor Garcetti. Um because I wanted to know, like, what the head of the golf divisions, the golf courses, making two hundred and twenty-five thousand a year. I want to know what he's doing since the golf courses are closed. So he's playing golf on empty golf courses. Yeah, he's what would he's you be able to I play would, through yeah. by himself? Um, but I just <laughs> sounds kind of nice. These are the questions. He's teeing off four balls a day. If you think about, if you think about um, here in the company, and Handel said this morning he took a pay cut. And I've not asked you guys if you have. That's up to you to decide to tell whether you have or not. Uh, <laughs> But um, we're not handle <laughs> handle taking a pay cut is like, uh, you know, Bill Gates taking a pay cut. So but my point is our company, you know, and I think I talked about this. I don't remember what happened yesterday, but, you know, our CEO is not doing a salary through the end of the year. I mean, private sectors are really stepping up and they're taking pay cuts and they're furloughing people as opposed to laying them off, which I think that's pretty important. Right. Um, so it's I think is very fair to ask the county who spends an awful lot of taxpayer dollars, what are you doing to save? But you heard Hilda Solis the other day say, well, everyone's essential. Well, I disagree. I don't think everyone in the county payroll is essential. No. It, it just can't be. That's impossible. Um, it's also a little bit ironic. I mean, you mentioned you did catch her off guard. You had asked the same question the day before. Right, and uh, I told her. She I wasn't did. there. Hilda Solis was right. there answering on behalf of the board. But that would... If I were Hilda Solis, I would have prompted at least a quick phone call or a note. Hey, just so you know, she may and she may have, or her press people may have, because her press people they pay attention too, right? And so, and you know, that's, that's the other thing too. The communications office is there. You know, they're paying four hundred thousand dollars to do ad campaigns. I'm thinking they're getting millions of dollars of free advertising every day that we air these things, and right. we're not the only station that airs this stuff. And so, I'm trying to, you know, we reach more people if you think about it. In our broadcast here, we reach more people in the county than any PR firm could could create a campaign for. That's just it's just it's just sheer volume. We have sheer volume over that. But and it's just asinine. Four hundred grand to tell people to wash their hands. Vir I mean. Virtually, yeah, and to do social media and to do uh, ad campaigns basically. Because I I've asked for the scope of work. They sent me the 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 scope of work and the contract I've been reading, and I've been waiting for the deliverables page because that's the key page. They think we're such. Dumbasses. Well, yeah, because like no we, one asks. Who hasn't gotten the message to wash your hands? <laughs> it's pretty already widespread. Okay. If you wanted to put a campaign together a month ago, I'd understand that. But 
we're a little bit uh, into the fourth quarter of this thing. So here's the thing. I understand they have to reach a lot of different communities and a lot of different uh, languages and, and, and whatnot. I get all of that. But mechanisms are already in place in the county to communicate with those in other languages. Right. That they, It's already there. And it is always so are been you, there. Did you ask them about that? I couldn't remember. She said, we're going to Spanish now. Okay, so let's do that today. I doubt What's that I'll up ever with get the in today. Well, let's let's find no, out. No, no, she's already been asked that question. In fact, Dave Lopez at, at, at KCAL uh, asked that question. And what did she say? She said, David, I'm glad you asked that question. When you start with that. Yeah, you never. it means you know. the opposite, right? And she went through it and she said, basically, that, that $400,000 saved lives. She said that. Oh, God. So... So then that's what prompted me to get going because uh, then I had a source that had told me about this $400,000 thing. But frankly, I didn't have time to dig on it. at the. But now my priorities have shifted a little bit now right. in terms of what we're going to be looking at. And I, I assure you, we're looking at this and a lot of other things going on right now in the county in terms of how they're spending money. Because now it's time that that pivot point where the reporters and, you know, a couple of my colleagues, Robert Kavasik at Channel 4 yesterday, he reached out to me and we were talking and, and, you know, he's he's even telling me that, you know, it's time for us to start getting together and it's time to start shifting the way we ask these questions and what we're asking. Because I think everything else is pretty stable now. We understand how things are operating. We've been giving all that critical and valuable information. Everyone has it by now. Now we have to find out how things are operating, where the deficiencies are or were and uh, how they're spending the money. Uh, you didn't you didn't see because you like you said you were listening on the phone and not necessarily watching the telecast of it but they have a new uh digital display behind it a big monitor mm -hmm. behind the speakers now uh that shows the numbers it's a static display they right. show one slide and all it says is the new cases for new deaths for the day and the new positive tests that came in for the day let me tell you uh, a couple of years ago and I don't know if you recall this I I was sent up to Anchorage Alaska to cover that 7.0 earthquake mm -hmm. for the company and I get up there and, you know, I'm thinking, wow, I've never been to Anchorage. Absolutely beautiful city. And that, I love that area. I've never been. So I was just, I'm just really tickled to be up there under, you know, those horrible circumstances. Fortunately, no one died. But I went to the very first press conference in their operations center there in the city of Anchorage. It's a small city, but I can't tell you how well organized that city was. Yeah. And the fact that they had coordinated media calls from all over the state of Alaska, the most remote areas of a state. And they're all calling in on this conference call, and they're all getting their questions answered. It was so just so well done. And those of us in the room with the the mayor and the city manager and the fire chief, police chief, and the way it was laid out. And I just I've always remembered that as the model. And I kept thinking, L.A. County, they're just now doing a slide, right? You know, and they're just now getting to this, or they're just now getting to that. And this thing's been going on what five, six weeks, right? In in arguably the most vibrant media uh, capital of the entire world, exactly. Yeah, and we and, can't uh, do the, those things. And it's the thing is four hundred thousand dollars based on the average salaries. A lot of them making down there at one hundred thousand dollars a year. They could hire four strategic communications people to work there full time. I just don't understand this. Yeah. Well, but but obviously we can't ask those questions because then we're irresponsible. Well, right, because then you get accused of ignoring the people who are dying. And I'm not. something like Because that. our station actually proves we're actually quite the opposite. Yes. Steve, thank you. Appreciate Bye, it. Good work. Uh, we'll have to see if you get a question today. My bet is remember, that you it's, don't. It's random. Remember, it's random. Uh -huh, yeah. Right. My bottom. Oh, random. And yeah, but I'll tell you more about that later, too. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. What a
Sounds like a remake, Jacob. Uh, does it? Yeah. Just sounds a tiny bit slow. It's supposed to be Irene Cara. Is that? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. yeah. But it might be slower. It's a different version, but it's definitely her. Is it's it? It's probably like a remastered version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oops. 80. That's fine. No, it's just funny because it's it's just it's just off enough that it's weird. It's like well, when somebody slows down a song so that it, it it fits your running tempo and it doesn't sound exactly right. Why are you bagging on everyone today? Don't you want to go back to the eighties? Yes. No. Life was much easier then. You should see. You should see my hair in the eighties. I don't have to pay bills. I feel like <laughs> I didn't get to do the eighties because I was. I, I feel like I wanted to be older in the eighties to really do it, you know, really experience it. I was wearing bad hard pants uh, in 1983. And I do, I mean, like, the jeans that I was wearing were the hard denim. Hard denim. So one of my friends is working with a matchmaker, and she just got a new match. And I have the guy's first name. I have the city he lives in. And I have his title. Title? Is he royalty? His job title. Oh, job title. Okay. So are you going to ask what are the chances that you can actually narrow down and find who this person is? It's different. Hi. You're, the likelihood is high. You do that very well. Yeah. It's just fun to have a new project, you know, to stalk someone online. Chris on uh, Instagram said, hopefully Shannon paid her Wi-Fi bill this month. And you can actually <laughs> stream tonight's virtual happy hour on Instagram at 5 o'clock. I don't know what the deal with that was. In that, What's funny is that in the house, it wasn't working very well, but you sat out on your front porch and it worked fine. Yeah, I'm going to do it outside again. Smart. Hopefully. It's a good thing. Uh, it's not going to be raining. We know that. Um, but again, tonight, five o'clock is our Instagram virtual happy hour. We're going to be at, on at five o'clock. So, uh, if you have questions, you can actually throw those questions to us now on social media and we'll address them uh, later on. Uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to talk about Vegas, the governor of, uh, Nevada, Sisolak and the mayor of uh, Las Vegas, Carolyn Goldman are at odds about when to reopen that city. We'll talk about what weirdness is going on in Vegas right now with nobody there. Well, the president said during his daily press briefing yesterday, we're starting our life again. We're starting rejuvenation of our economy again. And he talked about three phases. Now, he told the governors, uh, you're going to call your own shots. We're going to be standing alongside of you. And the phases will include... Places with declining infections and strong testing would mean that there would be strict social distancing for all people in uh, public in those places. Yeah, that that those gatherings, remember we had originally no gatherings over 250 and then no gatherings over 50. And now they're saying gatherings larger than 10 people would still be avoided in phase one, as would non-essential travel at least it would be discouraged in phase two people are encouraged to maximize social distancing still and limit gatherings to no more than 50 people uh, and travel could resume i found that interesting i guess they're just putting faith in people that uh, (laughs) they know that they're taking their temperatures and they're making sure that they don't have it before they get on a plane Well, yeah, we'll come back to that because, yes, I think that's an interesting thing. Phase three would envision a return to, uh, finger quotes, normalcy with most Americans with a focus on identification and isolation of any new infections. That's really one of the keys. And later on, I think we'll talk about that contact tracing, what it it involves and why that's been said um, or why that's been brought up as one of the keys to 
bringing things back online in terms of normalcy. He said the recent trends in some states were so positive, probably places like South Dakota, Mm -hmm. that they could almost immediately begin taking the steps laid out in phase one. He said they'll be literally able to go tomorrow. There are places, my understanding is that in uh, Florida, they are reopening some beaches in Jacksonville specifically. The mayor, Lenny Curry, says he's encouraged enough by two weeks of data that he is going to announce that the beaches will be open for essential activities at 5 p.m. today. That's a key, though. Essential activities. What's an essential activity at the beach? Uh, Name one. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, li- lifeguards. Lifeguards are essential at the beach. Who are right? they going to be guarding? I don't. Uh, I don't know. Uh, in addition to limits on activities, beaches will be open. From 6 in the morning to 11 each morning, and then from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. each night. But they'll be closed all the other times. People at the beach will be swimming and surfing at their own risk. I I assume maybe exercise would be considered essential. Because right now, you can go out and exercise. You can go for a walk or a jog or whatever. Do push-ups in your cul-de-sac if that's what gets your your groove going. Um, But the point is, you're talking about in phase two... Travel could resume, sort of this this non-essential travel could resume. That is a key in terms of figuring out if the reopening of the economy is going to work and we're not going to see a spike in, in infections, hospitalizations, and deaths. There's a certain amount of personal responsibility that's required of everyone when we get to that point. It's been required of us now because it's been imposed upon us, right? I mean- we have to we have to be responsible enough to follow the rules that have been imposed upon us forever. Uh, it seems like for this last month, and we're already on day basketball, and it doesn't seem like it's going to open up anytime soon. What is your pilot friend being told by his company? He might not see the inside of an airplane until August. Wow. Just based on the the reduction in travel, I mean, ninety across the board, ninety five percent reduction in demand for airlines in the United States, and that's not even that's not even the uh, international airlines, which are I think going to suffer the more. You know, you're going to see regional airlines like uh, Alaska or Southwest or other ones that are able to survive this because the regional, you know, intra country travel would, I guess, reopen quicker and be uh, less restrictive than international travel. But the the, the mayor of Las Vegas, and I'll, I'll play the cut for you next hour because it's important, but the mayor of Las Vegas, Carolyn Goodman, was asked by a reporter, okay, you, you desperately want to get Vegas reopened again because the number of people who have suffered economically, not having jobs, not being able to put uh, food on their table, pay their bills, what do you envision Las Vegas looking like when it reopens? And and Carolyn Goodman's response was, it's going to be the same, but you're going to see a lot more personal responsibility and a, a desire, an individual desire to not infect other people. The people are going to have this, this attitude of, I'm here to enjoy myself. I'm here in Vegas to play or gamble, whatever it is. But I also know that, 
I am a potential carrier. Have y'all been to Vegas? It's not filled with people who are self-accountable. Well, and that's why that's why it was a surprising and interesting <laughs> thing for her to a say. A bunch of degenerates. Like, I, and listen, I'm one of them. All right, I'm not uh, disparaging anyone. <laughs> you identify, but the as people a that I'm sitting with at the blackjack table, they don't give an f about me. Or, but. But the group think is if you're sitting at a blackjack table with six of your friends and somebody leans over and starts hacking into their elbow, which is a Tuesday, everybody's going to be like, uh, because everybody smokes. Or what about this? What if what if the the casinos say that a pit boss has the ability to kick you off a table if you show signs of sickness? Yeah, or, like a casino is going to lose that money over uh, another life. Would you rather be in a casino that is is I, healthy and aware of, you know, kicking people out or are you just going to go to the hack and cough yeah, $5 I, table? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know what you're saying. I just don't give people that go to Vegas and spend real time in casinos that much credit. Because you get a couple of pops in you and you stop worrying about social distancing. They only distancing. care about the money and themselves, pretty much. And right, you get a couple pops in you. I love that you still self-identify. You're totally <laughs> bagging on people in Vegas. And then you say, but I am one of those people. Yeah. Listen, I know I'm not perfect. All right, birding <laughs> is having a moment. We've been doing some birding. You and I here. Remember the hummingbird? There was a hummingbird out there. He was really high. He was. We were worried about his oxygen. We'll talk about it when we come back. How can hummingbirds go? I'll Google it. Gary and Shannon. The dude's name is Shannon, but he goes by Shan with two N's. I feel like that's a little pretentious, right? Yeah. yeah. No. I don't think so. I don't. Think I don't even the think one. Shan is. I don't even go by Shan. I'm trying to think of my wife, my father-in-law says Shan. Yeah, my dad. Sometimes. My dad's probably the only one. There's even been a random Shanny in there. Yeah, I get Shanny. But not Shan. No, never gotten Shan. Especially not Shan with two N's. And how do you say it with two N's? Shan. <laughs> KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. At the top of the hour, we'll talk about what Vegas looks like uh, going forward. Because it's been absolutely down and defunct for the last month. We told you about nature having a moment. Yosemite has seen its bear population blossom. The animals just feel more comfortable with all of us inside. And the birds are having a moment. And so so is birding. The Chicago Audubon Society president says activity in the Facebook group grew 134% in the past month. Hold on a second. I think activity in every Facebook group has grown 130% in the last month because people are look there's nothing for them to do. But I'll let you have your birding moment. Chicago and Mary Cordes has seen canary yellow finches, red fiery cardinals, a parade of big bossy blue jays. Do you see that one? Oh, that is I believe that is the Oriole? I think it's a red-headed titmouse. 
you're you're making birds up. I okay. Okay, let me Google that. Red headed tit. What, what was it? What was it? Never mind. Uh oh, <laughs> Nick's Nick's coming in. <laughs> oh wait, that is a thing. That is a thing. The name Titmouse is recorded from the 14th century. It is composed of the Old English name for the bird. Challenged me, huh? Titmus. Huh. The female and the male tufted titmus mice mm-hmm. are identical in plumage. There's a black patch above the beak, a gray back, rusty flanks, and a dull white breast. Yeah. Their eyes are surrounded by a white ring that reaches to their beak. Everybody knows that. Wow! So you've been birding. You've I am you've one of overtaken these people. Yes. Me. Um, there. Uh, Judy Pollack is the Chicago Audubon Society president. She has talked about Illinois bird watchers checking out the avian activity in their own backyards, and she says it's exciting, relaxing, expi- uh, inspiring, even comforting. She says, "Do you find which?" Which adjective would you use to describe your backyard birding experience? I usually do my birding in the front yard. Oh. And uh, I uh, I find it to be very relaxing. Now, do you sit there with, um, as they say... There's a tit babbler as well. Oh, yeah. The fluffy-backed tit babbler? Yeah. And then there's the agile tit tyrant. The somber tit, the blue tit. I prefer names like the Kentish Plover, though, because then it doesn't it, it lends itself to much less giggling while you're out birding. Oh, I have a lot of acorn woodpeckers in my neighborhood. Um. Why is Nick laughing at that? It's not that funny. It's something different. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not. It was different. It wasn't the He's woodpecker. Had to be there. Um, do you uh, at times find yourself not just birding but other animaling? Oh yeah, I've got a lot of deer in the neighborhood. Okay, but pretty much every day the deer are out now. Uh, I told you about the fox. Yeah. Got a couple cats in the backyard. Got a skunk that comes around. I have been hearing. I haven't seen any, but I've been hearing a lot of owls out the back. Who? Seriously? That was a dad joke. No, it wasn't. It was a bad bird joke. Dad, Dads would never do a joke like that. I think they would, because dads are into birding now. Um, there is a guy who has been a longtime birder, uh, Matt Valiga, Naperville, Ohio, says that a uh, highlight of his stay-at-home birding has been seeing a pair of great horned owls nesting nearby. He was on the lookout for them when one flew by his window about 6 o'clock at eight, uh, on April 8th. Owls will scare the living tar out of you. Owls are a big They're bird. Beautiful. Um, what is green and pecks on trees? Woody the wood pickle. How does a bird with a broken wait, wing? Woody the wood pickle <clears throat> is green and pecks on trees. Yeah. How, where does the pickle come in? That's the the type of bird. That's why he's oh, green. Oh, I don't know my birds well. Apparently. I see you don't know your birds well. <laughs> oh, <No>. God. <clears throat> we'll continue. We'll look at how Vegas is holding up in all of this. In Why just a few do seagulls fly over the sea? Why? Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels. 
Nick, I have breaking Taylor Swift news for you when we come I, back. Why would I? Why? I don't know. Why you're do you the, you're the one with that? the poster in your room, why, not me. Why do, hummingbird, why do hummingbirds hum? Why? Because they don't know the words. Please, Jacob, hit the thing. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A little bit later, we're going to be talking about uh, mountain lions because, you know, bird talk wasn't enough. Of course, we have uh, the governor's news conference coming up in uh, at about noon. And as we've been doing for the last couple of days, we'll, we'll listen to it uh, off the air. We don't need to play the whole thing because the information coming out of uh, Sacramento has not been... Uh, exceptionally exciting and it really hasn't changed very much over the last couple of days and the like um we have our uh, uh special that all the time small business shout out uh he's gonna lean into this moment he's meet, gonna meet, he meet, this moment. meet the moment meet the moment mm. um we'll get into swamp what kind watch. of meat never mind different meat that's m-e-e-t he's gonna meet that moment right. yeah he's gonna beat this moment but by anyway la county <laughs> <laughs> LA County's update comes up at one o'clock. We'll see if Steve Gregory gets his uh, com- his uh, questions asked. The big Nick, is, st- Nick is shaking his head. Big story uh, yesterday, of course, was the president unveiling uh, three um, phases, perhaps, uh, of how a reopening might go in individual states, and of course, giving governors the options on how to reopen the economy. And it seems talks are underway in Vegas of how casinos are going to re uh, reopen. They believe they they could open up as early as next month. Carolyn Goodman is the mayor of Las Vegas. She identifies as an independent. The uh, the uh, governor of Nevada, Steve Sisolak, is a Democrat. They've been kind of going back and forth about opening Vegas. This is the monetary engine, of course, that drives the state of Nevada. And I wanted to play for you a quick cut from Carolyn Goodman in an interview she did about what it would look like. What would Vegas look like at a time when social distancing is so important if they are to reopen? Is there any practical way to keep people safe to social distance in in your opinion, and then, but reopen at the same time. I think you that's know, everyone's I, I question. I think it's all about being a civilized community. And you learn that when you're going to sneeze or cough, you cover your mouth, um, that you do your best to respect the rights of others. And um, if you're sick, you stay home, you don't go to work, wherever home is, that you have the sense of why God gave us brains is to use our brains on what is respectful of others in a socialized, civilized community with laws and rules. Just one problem. Civilized community. What's the most uncivilized community? It's all the people that go to Vegas. And here's the thing. You could have a civilized community of Las Vegas. You know, your people, they're good people who live and work there. But you are the city that attracts all the degenerates from every other community in the country and the world. And these people are not civilized. Well, Rich Johnson is civilized. He's joining us now to talk about uh, what life is like Listen, in Vegas. I've known Rich for many, yeah, many years, yeah. and I wouldn't say civilized. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we do hate those degens from upcountry. So anyway. Well, yeah, what? this is the place where you put your brain into a blind trust when you come here, where everybody jokes about the stuff they <laughs> picked up. Is that really the image you want to have with people trying to come back here? Uh, this fight between uh, Sisolak and Goodman has uh, has been very interesting. The mayor, as you said, said uh, the whole idea of the uh, closures of non-essential businesses has been total insanity. The governor responded yesterday asking where Goodman's getting her data because none of the state experts he's talking to say it is safe 
to reopen. Meanwhile, more uh, events are uh, canceling or postponing. The nightclub and bar show has uh, postponed a second time, pushed back from March now to October. Robbie Williams, uh, the the pop Brit singer, has canceled his July dates at the win. So it, it, it all is still in flux here. She seems a little nutty, Carolyn Goodman, uh, with the whole this is why we have a brain and all of this. It, what, yeah. What's uh, the deal there? I, I love Carolyn. I love Oscar. They've been great for the city for uh, what'll be a quarter century when her uh, third term is is done. But she's just really, really wrong on this. Uh, It would be worse for Vegas to open up and hire all those people and buy all that food and get all set. And then nobody shows up or the people who do show up are the ones with packs, uh, you know, a case of ramen and, and a couple of cases of uh, Bud Light uh, taken to the room in the coolers. Well, I listen. If Darth Vader taught me one thing, if you build it, they will come. If the, if you if you reopen Vegas, they will have customers. The question is, I think, what would the casinos look like? You could not have packed casino floors like you used to, at least not well, anytime one soon. Mo- one of the models is uh, Macau, which is uh, as far as gambling revenue goes, about seven times larger. Then Las Vegas, Macau opened up uh, a few days ago, a couple weeks ago. It's very lightly populated, three players max at a table. You know, Baccarat usually seats seven, and there's usually dozens of people crowding behind the players making their own private bets. Dealers are wiping down each individual chip before handing them to players, and uh, it's it's pretty sparse on those uh, the floors of those properties. And when you go to Macau to gamble, that's all people do. There are some shows, some nice restaurants, but they're usually, like Vegas used to be, lost leaders to get people back to the tables. And it's only the casino properties that are open. The rest of Macau, which is about 650,000 people over 12 square miles, is shut down. You want to go uh, to the city or the city state of Macau, it's a 14-day quarantine. I'd ask you how people are handling this, if they're freaking out over all the lost revenue and if there will even be a Vegas that comes back to the way it once was, but we're not really allowed to go anywhere. But have you had any conversations with your friends in the area, um, you know, on the phone or or online or whatever about uh, their fears? A little bit here and there. People are trying their best. The locals I know are, are trying to stay home. I do a podcast with the folks at the Plaza, uh, the casino downtown, and uh, we are talking about redoing the starting the podcast up again remotely. And I delivered microphones and little interfaces to the, the four people that are part of that, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. My my question is to to the, the mayor is what what's the number? You know, this is the home of the over under. What's the number at which fewer deaths are acceptable and a greater number of deaths is unacceptable? And so far, nobody's nobody's putting a number on that. The uh, the big companies, the Caesars, the MGM, the Win. Uh, what have they been doing, or have they been meeting at all in terms of how they would plan as as the major business there in Vegas? How they would plan to reopen? I have a feeling everybody has some plan or some formulation of a plan or six or seven different plans because how this is going to shake out and and under what circumstances and how much they may reopen. We don't know. Caesars called back about a quarter of its HR staff to start working on processing people to at least have it ready. A lot of this is, is, as you said, we'll have all these ideas. We'll have them all gamed out and then we'll keep it in our pocket until we get to go. Did you hear about professional gamblers and the possibility that they may be able to collect unemployment? 
Oh, man, this is like one quote in one newspaper article that spread like the coronavirus and, of course, morphed into into like it's a done deal. So here's the reality at the moment. The the new exceptions in Nevada's criteria for who may apply for benefits now includes contractors and those who are self-employed. And one professional poker player said, that sounds like me, so I'll give it a go. The worst they can do is tell them no. And that's where it stands today. There's no word whether the guy's actually been accepted or rejected or even if he actually applied. And there's uh, no information about whether any pro sports gamblers have even tried to do that. Wait a minute. You're telling me a professional gambler is going to gamble and see if he can get some unemployment benefits? That's so weird. <laughs> that's sales 101. You ask for the sale. You make that I can't. Uh, you put that hand out there and say, hey, glad to see you, glad to see you. Rich, how's your gambling addiction faring? Are you okay? Are you got the shakes a little bit? You know, if you go down to Bullhead City, Arizona, right across the river from Laughlin, there are shops open because Arizona has been like one of the last places to do any kind of forced closure. And you can go buy a slot machine. And boy, I, I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> in the back of the sport utility vehicle and bring it back up and just sit there and go, da 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 I remember one of my... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not yet. One of my childhood friends, uh, they were from... They were from Las Vegas, and I think one of them worked at UNLV. Anyway, they moved to the neighborhood in the 80s at some point, and they had a slot machine in their house. And I was drawn to that thing like... It's amazing. Beyond honey. Amazing machines, uh, especially the old ones with the drums in them as opposed to the video All I wanted to do was play that slot machine. Why are they mesmerizing? I was like, I don't need Barbies. Give me the slots. Yeah. Rich, thank (laughs) you. Oh, crime. Crime marches on here. There's a local artist did some murals on some plywood boards that were covering the, the windows of some closed restaurants. Yeah. Earlier this week, someone stole all the boards. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> Rich, thank you. Stay safe. You bet. You bet. Rich Johnson there from uh, from Las Vegas. Gary and Shannon will continue. There's no one. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Reminder that uh, the news conferences that are going on are all on our Facebook page. Uh, And you can listen to the whole thing. For example, the governor's coming up at noon for his regular news conference. And we're not going to necessarily listen in on his news conference unless he says something interesting. We can uh, bring it to you a little bit later, but it will be on our uh, Facebook page. There were two skate parks locally filled up with sand to prevent kids (laughs) from using them. Though Venice Skate Park and San Clemente as well. I have a buddy uh, that I knew from college who lives down there, and I'm not sure he was in one of those, but he did post a picture yesterday of him at a skate park. It was it was empty. Yeah, it was him, and there was another guy way off in the corner of the picture that you. But he he fell and got a huge scrape on his leg, and that was what the picture was. Like I haven't been out in a couple of weeks, and look what happens. I get to scrape on my leg. Yeah, and I wonder if that was it because you can't. Okay, I think it's a little crazy that you can't go to a skate park. Let's limit the number of people who can go, you know, but next to somebody. I have bad news for you. Is this the Taylor Swift story? 
No. Oh, I because I promised that and I never paid off. Okay, on yeah, we'll do that. But this is very brief. Uh, for the first time in 50 years, San Diego Comic Con has been canceled. Um, I was being facetious when I said I had bad news for you. I know, but I feel like then people just get to spend more time on their cosplay outfits for next year. What would your cosplay cosplay outfit be? Uh, Superman Red Sun. You've ever seen that thing where Superman actually lands instead of landing in Kansas, he lands in Russia? The fact that you had that ready to go and did not miss a beat is a little troubling. Clark Kent with a with a Russian accent. You haven't seen that yet? Uh, okay, so the Taylor Swift news. The first major event scheduled at SoFi Stadium, yep, the home of your LA Chargers and your LA Rams, yeah, will not be taking place. Taylor Swift has canceled all of her live appearances for the remainder of the year. Well, that was July, right? Right. July 25th and 26th, she was going to do back-to-back concerts. Would have been the first large-scale event of any kind, at least to fill up the entire stadium, the large-scale event at SoFi. They were going to use that to get ready for football season. They were going to use that as an indicator of uh, flow of traffic, parking, how it all works, concessions, bathrooms, everything. Yeah. There are other things planned. I know there are at least, I think there's a country concert. I don't remember who it was specifically, but there's another concert that has been planned. Um, But all of those concerts, all Taylor Swift concerts through the end of the year have been postponed and then rescheduled for some time next year. Um, The the construction on the stadium continues. That's one of those, construction is one of those arenas that has been considered um, essential. And even though... Two workers on the SoFi Stadium project have tested positive. The, the, the venture that's overseeing the construction, uh, Turner and Acom Hunt, has instituted a bunch of different safety procedures, temperature checks for everyone who enters the site, extra restrooms, hand-washing stations, social distancing protocols, etc. And SoFi Stadium says that their project is still focused on having a safe and healthy environment for all now and uh, when we open. Uh, construction sites are are still going. There's one right across the street from us. And I don't know if you've seen this yet, but the two crane towers that have been erected as they get ready to start all of the construction, there's a dude climbing up the top of that crane right now. Oh, man. Alone. I mean, he's he's doing that very slow trudge where he's climbing up a ladder to one platform, got to walk around. Like he's climbing up a fire escape in New York, except instead of just, you know, a six-story tenement building, it uh, looks like it's about 40 stories off the ground. When we're allowed to travel again, can we take the show to the Gulf of California? The Mexico part of Gulf of California? Yeah, because I want to see the blue-footed booby. Have you seen this bird? I thought it was extinct. No. Oh, okay. No, I have not. I mean, I've never seen it in person. What a beautiful bird. The, the color blue of its feet is so gorgeous. What? Look at this up. is what happens to people when there are no sporting events, or as uh, Mayor Garcetti says, there's no sports games going on. Please take a look during Layla's news. The blue. You want me to look at what? Look up the blue-footed booby. Let me see if I can put that in my Google over here. Do it. It's without be- it spitting something out. Bird. Its beak has like a almost a blue hue as well. And they said that it can be found from the Gulf of California down along the western coast of Central and South America down to Peru. 
Look at this bird. I don't need to. I feel like your sense of urgency is not where it needs to be when I tell you that this bird is beautiful. I believe you that the bird is beautiful. The blue-footed booby usually lays one to three eggs at a time. That is a big bird. They say that uh, the... The blue-footed booby is an important model for studying parent-offspring conflict and sibling rivalry. There's a guy in Garden Grove who is working on face shields, trying to fill in the shortage that's coming up. We'll talk about him in just a couple of minutes. His feet are beautiful. <laughs> so you're a foot person now. Okay. Gary and Shannon will continue. You guys, we're doing it. Get Rick Johnson on the horn. I know it's not March anymore, but I think this is what we need right now as a community. Is a March Madness. March Madness with birds. All birds. So like the brackets would be uh, be like, you know, maybe different hummingbirds, uh, different uh, penguins, flightless birds. Jacob, would you do me a favor plumage. and turn off her Ooh, headphones plumage, so she yeah. can't hear us for a second? I just, I feel like we need to have some sort of an intervention because Shannon is losing her mind. Uh, you can mark it down on the calendar. Day basketball was the day that the lack of sports got to her. She's she tracing is, her hand and drawing a turkey right now. Right. And listen, she's giving that turkey blue feet because now that she's seen a blue-footed booby, she doesn't see other birds. This is all she's doing now. Is she's she's trying to figure out how she can adopt a blue-footed booby. I do like the tricycle idea, though. That is my favorite. Now, if we could somehow get her back onto the tricycle idea and off of the blue-footed boobies, we may be yeah, able to that. save her sanity. So, anyway. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, at the top of the hour, we'll get into some of our trending stories, which includes... Some somewhat good news about uh, remdesivir. Well, we have a Garden Grove High School computer science teacher who has mobilized himself, just like other individuals and companies as well, trying to pitch in to avoid this supply void that we have by creating simple fab, uh, fabric masks. Uh, what we've been doing is we've been encouraging you to give thanks to people who are working while a lot of us are safer at home, working on the front lines or working to help the people who are on the front lines. And this is a guy who's doing exactly that. And his mom actually called to tell us about him. Let me tell you about my son, Eric Henniger. He is a high school teacher and swimming and water polo coach. Mid-March, he researched what was needed and found that hospitals were short of medical protective gear. He figured out how to make the framing for the mask on his 3D printer and bought plastic eight and a half inch sheets to attach to the framework. Let's fast forward. He now has 53 3D printer owners making the framework for the mask. He has 55 volunteers punching the plastic. He and his group of volunteers have produced over 5,000 face shields and delivered to over 80 facilities as far away as Ohio and New York City. Wow, that's a proud mom right there. She let us know all about her son using Yappa, which you can find on our website. Uh, the... The the greatest thing about this, I suppose, is that there was someone, in this case, Eric, who realized that his life was going to change. I mean, even as a as a um, uh, as a teacher, as a computer science teacher, he may have been one of those who is very well equipped to handle what is the teaching from home using Zoom or whatever application they happen to be using to continue their work. But knew that there was another thing that had to be done, that there was another aspect of this 
And in terms of him figuring out what to do with his empty time, you know, he's not coaching, can't coach, basically. So what does he do with his empty time? And to find this as a hole that needed to be filled and then to actually do something to fill it. He is looking for volunteers to help. He has a website. It's called OC3DPPE.org. We'll put the information up on our uh, on our website as well. He says his top priority is finding folks with idle 3D printers, and he's willing to train those willing to join his efforts. He said less tech-savvy uh, tech people can help as well by hole-punching those plastic sheets or helping move materials and delivering the finished shields. It's uh, it, it shouldn't be lost on anybody, the fact that this can be an incredibly stressful time. And one of the ways that you deal with stress is to help is to get out of yourself by helping other people, right. doing other things for other people. And I know that for some, it's not a possibility. You can't. You've got other stuff that you I mean, you're trying to rub two quarters together to pay your bills. So you may not have the time to volunteer. But if you do, if you're looking around and you're thinking to yourself, I'm bored, how am I going to stay bored for the next three or four weeks or whatever? This is the opportunity for for you to fill a hole like Eric did in terms of finding that thing that you can do. Now, we want to hear from from you, from people who are doing things like this. So if you've interacted with somebody who is a, a first responder, who's uh, working in a hospital or a grocer, plumber, trucker, a delivery person, anybody, maybe a neighbor or a stranger did something nice for you or for someone that you know, we want to hear about it. Leave you- us a message in our special audio video comment section powered by Yappa. The more specific your comments are, the better. We want to take as many as we can. We'll play the audio just like we did here on KFI and post the videos to our social media. You just log on to the uh, KFI website. Go to KFIAM640.com. Use the keyword thanks, and you could sign up there and leave your comments. And uh, like Sarah did, we'll uh, we'll play some of your comments on the air. You want some breaking news? Uh, Yeah. Oh, you don't seem excited. Well, the about last that. breaking news you've you've given us a couple things now, and they haven't been great. I want some breaking news like ah, they've announced when baseball is going to start. I'll give you an option. Do you want this breaking news or do you want bird news? Please, the breaking news. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is going to be the first governor to start reopening Texas. He is encouraging this to happen as soon as next week. He says retailers should start operating next Friday as retail to go in which customers would order ahead of time and pick up items curbside. State parks, he says, will reopen Monday, but people will be required to wear face coverings. Also, restrictions on non-coronavirus related surgeries and procedures will also be loosened. Hey, uh, Nick, take a note for Monday. I think this is going to be a good exercise for everybody on Monday. We should take calls from people with their ideas on how we reopen some of this stuff. I mean, whether it's the parks and doing one-way trails or the beaches with some sort of a provision for physical distancing, like what are some of the ways? We need to crowdsource some of this stuff because we clearly cannot rely on the city governments, the county governments, and even the state governments to do this completely. There's got to be some creative ideas out there that will keep people safe but still get some of this back up and running sometime soon all right coming up next the mountain lions this is not good they're facing extinction what we can do to help them when we come back i have another update okay the united states is going to conduct a full-scale investigation into whether the coronavirus escaped from that lab in wuhan
Well, because China's pushing back and saying it did not come from Wuhan today. Their health minister said that they don't believe it came from Wuhan. Yeah, but they also said, oh, remember the number of dead people were like, yeah, we uh, we kind of gypped you guys about 50%. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't take anything uh, seriously, <laughs> but I think that's the, where the timing comes in. And it doesn't even they have, said that today. It may not have been a weapon. It may have just simply gotten out because they are sloppy with their care of uh, infectious diseases or whatever, but it still may have come from there. It's the bat soup, I'm telling you. Why would what? you eat bat soup? With a little bat perched on the side of that bowl. Like, a, like it was Nick, Nick said, a lemon wedge. And that doesn't count as a bird for you, right? Because bats no, aren't birds. No, bats. I've fallen out with bats ever since the uh, the bat soup. Ever, I know it's not the bat's fault that they're put in the soup. Did I ever show you the bat in my mom's freezer? Yes. Is it still there? I don't know. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Well, Florida's governor has given the green light for some beaches and parks to reopen. And as we just told you, Texas wants to start reopening next week with retail stores doing retail to go, where customers would order ahead of time and pick up items curbside. State parks in Texas will reopen Monday. Gavin Newsom has signed an order granting two weeks of paid sick leave to farm workers, delivery drivers, grocery store and fast food employees so that they won't feel pressured to keep working if they get infected. I wonder if that's going to be one of the things that comes out of this at the end of it. The paid sick leave, guaranteed paid sick leave for everybody, not just, you know, not built into a contract or something like that, but. Well, we were just telling you uh, about how there are holes that need to be filled. And if you're looking for something to do to keep you out of your boredom, you could always volunteer and and help someone else. Eric Henniger is a person who did just that. Garden Grove High School computer science teacher, uh, swim coach, a water polo coach. I almost said water hockey, and I don't think that's a thing. No, but Uh, I'd watch it these days. (laughs) Eric joins us now live. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well, Shannon. How are you today? Oh, good, thanks. Well, your story is a great one. How did you get started thinking that you could do this? Well, you know, I've uh, been somewhat of a 3D printing enthusiast for a little bit now. Um, And as soon as all this stuff started happening, I saw stories of of some people that were doing different things uh, around the world. Um, And and I was just kind of sitting and waiting for something that that seemed um, verifiable, that I could really do it and help um, and so once I saw a, a face shield design come out, I kind of realized, like, hey, I think that's probably the thing that I can do. Uh, weird question here. What are some of the things that you have made from with your 3D printer that are not face masks? <laughs> um, I've made my son a couple of uh, pretty good Halloween costumes. He was Iron Man a couple years ago, and that was a pretty good one. Um, more than anything, though, I just I, I make things around the house, uh, you know, just things to address any problems we're having. Um, you know, different, just, just basic hooks that you can go to the store and buy little 3M hooks. You know, I just make them myself and just put them up and um, different things like that. Gary's daughter is a senior this year, and we've spent time talking about how sad it is that they're losing. She, she's losing this yeah. uh, senior year and all the stuff that comes with it. And I imagine you mm-hmm. feel uh, pretty bad for your kids, too. It's so heartbreaking that, you know, it, it's swim season right now, and, and it got cut short just right after we had only had one swim meet. 
Um, and, you know, to think these kids that I've been coaching for, this was their fourth year, these seniors, and, and they won't have that final season. And especially, you know, some talented ones who just barely missed winning, you know, the, the, the championship meet, and they're, they're really going to go for it this year. And now they don't get that chance. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, uh, when it comes to these, uh, these masks that you're making, basically it's a clear sheet of plastic that that will cover someone's face uh it's not a it's not a mask it's not a respirator it's not uh, an n95 or anything like that but it is important and a lot it's for a lot of these uh, doctors and nurses an important part of their personal protective protective gear that they're supposed to wear all the time uh how many have you been able to to make and have you had other people come alongside you and continue to make them as well yeah, the, the the best part of this is the other people who have come along to help. Um, you know, I, I put out word to a couple of people I know immediately and got a little bit of help. Um, and then when I had a, a Facebook post, post go somewhat viral, I had a couple thousand orders and I was making about 100 a day. Um, and so uh, I've now got uh, over 50 people that are helping out. Um, and we've now filled uh, a little over 5,000 total orders. Are those birds in the background? Yes, I'm so sorry. No, no, no that's no, fine. Okay. We, we did a whole birds. segment on birds last hour. Yeah. Uh, what what kind of bird, just so that we can get a picture of what we're hearing? <laughs> you know, my wife said, you're going out back with the birds? <laughs> it's, it's my neighbor, and they have, it's got to be 100, um, basically like parakeets uh, in this backyard giant uh, area that they have. Oh, wow. Eric, did you say 100? <laughs> there are so many of them. It's It's... It's an interesting thing. Well, listen, I know that 3D printers can get loud as well, uh, so maybe they're just trying to drown out the sound of you doing good. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. It's been it's been loud in my house with the tent printers that I've been running. Well, what, um, what can people do to help you out? If they have 3D printers, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly how it works, but do you send them a program? <laughs> do you send them... Uh, materials or how, how if someone has one and they want to help out how do you how does that process work i've put all the the printing files that we're using on on the website oc3dppe.org um, so they could just download it and and put it onto their printer and just get going um, they would need the the material the filament that we use to print they need some of that because i just can't quite afford to give all that out um, but they could start printing, and then that, that site has the resources as well to, to contact me and, and start adding to, to what we're doing. Well, Eric, thank you so much for your time, and appreciate what you're doing as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Those those parakeets aren't big enough for lunch, though, right? I mean, oh, you, there's no How not enough meat you? on one of those. How dare you? You probably have to take four <laughs> or five of them if you're going to get a snack out of them. Well, there's plenty. I could be fed for weeks. Hey, and they wouldn't they wouldn't miss four or five of them. I'm just saying. If they got 100 out of them. I'm sorry, Eric. He is just not himself today on Day Basketball. Eric, thank you. <laughs> thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, that's just, listen. That was perfect, wasn't it? That there were birds in the background? It's like they were talking to us. It's yeah. like those birds heard the show, and they were so excited about the blue-footed booby that they wanted to let us know. Like, hey, that was a great segment. My my cousin Carl's a blue-footed booby. Tell him I said hi. Yeah. Uh, throughout the month of April, KFI's been partnering with the Dodgers and the Dodgers Foundation to raise funds that are going to help provide critical donations to support coronavirus relief efforts throughout L.A. The grants are going to be directed to those in need, like uh, Dream Center L.A., the L.A. Food Bank. You can donate, and in fact, any dollar amount would help. You can donate by texting the word RELIEF 
to 41623. That's the word relief, 41623. Or you can go online and check out how you can donate. KFIAM640.com slash relief. We'll talk trending when we come back. Also, a small business shout out coming to you from one of my favorite restaurants in the area. And we've got that L.A. County update at 1 o'clock as well, where Steve Gregory may just, in fact, piss some more people off. Yeah, go Steve! that's what he does. Right here on Gary and Shannon. Okay, now I'm certain the ones you're playing are fake. Jacob, this is a fake version. You can blame Spotify. Stop yelling at Jacob. See, that's what this is. Kids rely on the Spotify, and it leads them down a path to destruction and hell. Hell in that Spotify. You can send in an email. I will send an email to Spotify. It says, you are leading my son Jacob down to a righteously unhealthy path. Hey, don't forget we have a happy hour. No, it has not already started, contrary to common belief. Uh, at 5 o'clock tonight on Instagram Live, join us. Give us your questions. I am sober. I am sober. We'll- <laughs> I am sober. I am sober. I am sober. I am sober. We're having a meltdown uh, on day basketball. Well, we're, uh, Governor Newsom has uh, started his uh, his news conference for the, for the day and explaining that Economically, just a short time ago when he was giving his State of the State address a short few weeks ago, he was talking about how incredible the economy was and just just going gangbusters. Then we had uh, billions of dollars in a rainy day fund, how things were looking up. He was able to extend benefits to people that hadn't seen it before. And the unemployment rate right now in California, according to him, is 5.3%. And he says that's that's not even a good number. I mean, it's it's good in terms of the overall unemployment, but it is not indicative of the true and deep nature of the economic downturn that we've seen as a result of coronavirus. So anyway, we'll listen to that off the air and see if there's anything new that he's going to say today, and we'll bring it to you. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, has announced initial steps to begin the process of reopening the Texas economy. As early as next week, they're going to be loosening surgery restrictions at medical facilities, allowing all retail stores to provide product pickups, and they're going to reopen state parks. The um, There was a map. I don't remember if it was CNN or Fox or one of the other TV uh, stations we have on in here. There was a map that showed us the United States... And then dates on specific states that said they're going to start reopening some of their businesses on this day, this day, this day. Texas hadn't been posted yet. Colorado was the first one I saw it at April 26th. And Greg Abbott, I'm sure, saw that same map and said, oh, no, no, not not before Texas. And then said, we're going to do it on the 24th. But other ones were May 1st. Uh, you know, our shelter in place, stay in place orders have been extended through May 15th, I believe. California and New York, New Jersey, states like that. Well, beaches in Jacksonville, Florida will be reopened for limited hours beginning this evening. The mayor there, Lenny Curry, says beaches and parks could reopen for essential uses, essential uses, including rec activities like walking, fishing, biking, swimming and dog walking. Essential dog walking. Well, dog walking is essential. I don't know how essential uh, swimming is or, or biking. It's exercise Yeah. Beaches will open from 6 to 11 a.m. and from 5 to 8 p.m. each day. But no lunch. 
God forbid you try to have lunch on a beach in Jacksonville. One of the that'll kill you. local residents there says this is a really crazy bad idea. Then don't go. That's yeah. the other thing. Listen, there are going to be times and places for people to, to make the decisions about themselves. You can stay in place. If you don't want to go out, don't go out. That's all I'm saying. Michael Cohen is going to be released from prison. Federal Bureau of Prisons notified Michael Cohen he'll be released from prison early because of uh, of coronavirus. This was the guy who was the president's personal attorney, serving a three-year sentence at a federal prison camp in uh, Otisville, New York. Several staff and inmates have tested positive there for the uh, for the coronavirus. Well, Nick is all up in arms about this next story. Uh, Lando Lakes, the butter. Mm-hmm. They've changed the logo. They're rebranding their packaging for its 100th university uh, anniversary. To better tell its farmer-owned story, they are going to remove the longtime leading lady on its logo. The Native American woman with the feather in her hair, kneeling, holding the dairy product. Nick, why were you so upset about this? I wasn't, like, upset. I was just like, Um, oh. You were upset. I heard you raise your voice about this. It's just something that I'm used to seeing in the grocery store. I do enjoy this label. When I look at my butters. I love butter you have shopping. Your, uh, Land of Lakes, Tillamook. Uh, I like Kerrygold. I do too. Um, that Irish butter, man. You know what I mean? What I might get into that when so, I get home. Is this just you're going to sit down with a spoon and yep. eat butter? I used to eat, uh, when I was a child, I used to eat cubes of butter. That's not true. You guys ever use the spray butter? Yeah, if I'm, um, you know, for the pans. I've never used it. I've never eaten it straight from the can. <laughs> you ever spray it in your mouth like it's banaka? Butter banaka? Um, <laughs> professional darts, of course, has been hit with the uh, coronavirus as, uh, just like every other sporting competition. Mm. And Professional Darts Corporation, uh, based in the UK, created the PDC Home Tour. 32 consecutive nights of competitive darts where the, the pros participate from their living rooms. Uh, you have to imagine that everyone's kind of sort of gentleman's honors here, the honor system in terms of making sure that you're playing on a regulation-sized dartboard and from the distance while it's being broadcast through video calls. Makes perfect sense, right? Two-time world champion Gary Anderson was disqualified because he had poor Wi-Fi. He was forced to drop out of the competition because of his, as they say in uh, England, his dodgy internet connection well there is a governor in kenya who is on the hot seat apparently he was putting together coronavirus care packages and put hennessy in the uh Ah. in the care packages that also included typical food staples the governor justified the inclusion of alcohol as throat sanitizer (laughs) <laughs> to him, I say, good job, sir. Cheers to you, sir. Way to he, get around. He said in a video, I think from the research conducted by the World Health Organization. Now, there's already two problems with that sentence. He says, uh, various organizations, it has been believed that alcohol plays a major role in killing the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, just to be clear, even Tito's vodka won't kill it. Um, you've got to have, what is it, 120 proof alcohol? It's got to be 60% alcohol if it's going to kill a virus. So uh, c- cognac in general, and Hennessy specifically, is not that powerful. 
All right, coming up, a small business shout out. Get your po' boy stomachs ready for this one. Darrow's New Orleans Grill. Mm. I, I could eat that. I, could eat I used to lunch. eat it every weekend. Was this before or after your butter fixation? This was around the time when my husband said this cannot continue. <laughs> this was around that time frame. When it was when it was much more common for you to have sauces of a general nature around your, your the corners of your mouth. But you know what? It was worth it. It was all worth it. Gary and Shannon. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines, so you can choose to dine out safely, or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop, Founding Farmers Market and Grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, full bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer, and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery of available ladies and gentlemen welcome aboard this summer we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new nissan we invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views premium seats in all rows and connected tech while avoiding baggage fees layovers and neck pillows so fasten your seatbelts and enjoy non-stop routes to summer because the best way to travel this season is in a new nissan and now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to 3500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, 3500 on 2020 Rogue consists of 3000 cash back and 500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 76-2020. Are we doing this? weight under 198 my weight is under 198 198. but next week it may not be so let's get these tricycles nick how far we we could do this together we can do this together if we need if we need to start cutting back on certain foods of some kind we can do that we can we can hit 198 you are above 198 no 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 i just didn't want nick to feel bad you're like who went like you're like 180 i'm pretty above there is this the is this the same thing where you're like, oh, what does it feel like when you hit 65? <laughs> well, one day after laying out a roadmap for the gradually reviving economic activity, the president urging his supporters on Twitter to liberate three states led by Democratic governors, encouraging protests against these stay-at-home restrictions. We've seen the governor of Texas and the mayor of Jacksonville kind of back off these things. Texas reopening things like retail stores for pickup items next week. They're opening their state parks on Monday. And then uh, in Jacksonville, open up those beaches starting tonight. Uh, The governor, Governor Gavin Newsom, is giving his daily news conference and announced that the economic task force that will be set up to help get California back up and running will include... Uh, The four previous governors, uh, Gray Davis, Pete Wilson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and some other guy, Jerry Brown. I don't know if you've heard of him. They're all going to be part of it. And if you were ever wondering, hey, what happened to Tom Steyer? 
Tom Steyer, former uh, candidate for president, is also going to be involved in that uh, economic task force. I don't think one person has wondered what happened to Tom Steyer. Like, not one. Tom's wife might have, but... All right, so every day that we have been in this uh, lockdown, shutdown, stay-at-home, and uh, mind-your-own-business situation, on day basketball, we have decided that we're going to uh, continue our small business shout-outs, these restaurants and small businesses that are struggling to make sure that they can keep their doors open so that when we do get back to some sense of normalcy, they're still here to serve you. There are a few restaurants where I actually crave the food, just have this like craving that will not let up. And Darrow's New Orleans Grill is one of those places. Norwood Clark joins us now. Norwood, I've known you for years, and uh, I got to say, I am really excited with the news that you gave me this week that you guys are opening up this weekend. Yeah, Shannon, thank you so much. And Gary, you as well. Uh, Shannon, you know, I'm president of your fan club over the years. So <laughs> yeah, we're very excited about opening. A little squeamish right now because of the fact that this is our very very first time opening since the uh, pandemic and what have you. So we don't know what to anticipate this weekend, but we had to reopen. A lot of my employees are hurting and we just want to get back to business, get back to life. Tell us the, the origins uh, of Darrow's New Orleans Grill. Well, I was born in New Orleans, and my family used to cook for the world-renowned Commander's Palace in the Garden District for over 27 years. Uh, they trained Paul Perdon, they trained Emma Lagasse, and I used to work for the Hilton family. And we opened our first retail store on Venice Boulevard right after the Northridge earthquake back in 94. And then we opened our second location in Marina del Rey, where I met Shannon. And we were out there for 16 years until the landlord went up on the rent uh, 13,000. So we lost 90% of our business and we relocated to Carson. The rent was a little less expensive, obviously. And we had a brand new concept that we wanted to try out called Daryl's New Orleans Grill with a full bar. We're the first fast casual Cajun Creole, even around the state, around the country with a full bar. And also too, Gary, uh, we don't cook with any pork products. We give you a cleaner version of Cajun Creole food traditionally is laden with lard and a lot of pork and a lot of beef and catfish is fresh shrimp is fresh breads baked daily the red beans are vegetarian the jambalaya chicken and turkey the fresh collard greens are vegetarian as well and we're also selling impossible meat po' boys as well and wraps one of the things i love about norwood is you know you go to his place and he just instantly makes you feel like like family and it's a really good experience from from top to bottom and i can't wait to get back and and eat at your place uh also they had a place at the uh, StubHub center too so i got to see them at chargers games and stuff like that which was great um what are the hours that you're going to be working on this weekend and do you have an amended menu or is it all all available we have an abbreviated menu uh pretty much 90 percent of the items that we currently sell on an everyday basis will be on there. Uh, we just updated the menu. You can find it on our website at Uncle Daryl's, I'm sorry, Daryl's New Orleans Grill.com. And also you can go to our Instagram page uh, at Daryl's Grill and also our Facebook. And so basically the hours, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday will be from noon until six. So we're going to play with those hours and see how that works out for us. That is awesome. Now, the um, is there a, a, a... I don't know, a different way that people can help you out? Do you guys offer gift cards or anything where you can get some cash now that you can help out some of your employees? Yeah, that would be great, Gary. We are working right now on doing gift cards where people can go on, on our site and purchase a gift card. You know, We've been feeding the first responders uh, during the week, 
at the various hospitals, um, volunteering with Wells Fargo, along with another nonprofit organization called Big Sunday. And that's been very rewarding because it allowed us to keep engaged with a few of the employees that's been hurting and what have you. And also, it's just good for the soul as well. Yeah, I can I can uh, attest to that. That does make you feel better when you can when you can help somebody out. How's your family in New Orleans? Well, Shannon, I just lost a cousin last night. Um, oh no! So, yeah, the part where I live, matter of fact, we made national news. We have one of the highest death rates in the country. Oh, I'm sorry, and Norwood. So, yeah, and so just last night after I got through speaking with uh, Nick, I got a phone call from New Orleans that my cousin just died, and she was like 40-some years old. Oh, well, we're and sorry I've been for that. A lot, of, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of family, a lot of friends who I grew up with. Uh, I mean, family's just been dying. One family, the mother, and then three sons died. Holy hell. Oh. Yeah, and so that's, that's what I've been living with. And my father, he lives alone since my mother passed, and so he had emergency surgery a couple of weeks ago for internal bleeding, and you can't get down it. They won't let you in, so... Yeah. But he's doing better. Well, Norwood, we hope that this weekend uh, brings some uh, some joy to you. We get drive be, some drive oh. some people to the New Orleans Grill. Yeah, I'm going to go on Sunday for sure. Get well, that. thank you so much, guys, for this. And, and please, uh, Gary, we have a parking spot for that tricycle. Okay. Oh, I'm t- <laughs> don't don't joke about that. <laughs> we have a designated parking spot for you. Gary. That is <laughs> awesome. So good to hear your voice. Hope to see you oh, soon. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Be Bye, well. Then. You bet, Norwood Clark. They're from Darrow's New Orleans Grill. That's where you're going to find them online. Darrow'sNewOrleansGrill.com. All the social media platforms are at Darrow's Grill. We'll throw a link up on our site as well because uh, this is this is a big time for them. There's big time for these types of restaurants, the small businesses, these ones that uh, that have you know had to lay off 80, 90 percent of their of their staff and are just trying to make it by. And you can help them out greatly by going down and uh, being customers. I don't know if I can make it till Sunday. I might go there tonight. <laughs> you might go tonight because if they're open till six and there's no I, traffic. I can uh, easily scoot down there. I used to have like almost every weekend we'd go and we'd get a um, a breakfast sandwich po' boy with turkey sausage, and you get ooh. that hot sauce on there over the lettuce with an egg on top, and the bread is toasted with the butter. Stop! 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 And pickles. It's incredible. <laughs> I have speaking of incredible. I have incredible news. Oh, this is this is some of the best news that we've heard about coronavirus in the last several weeks. And it comes out of a study, team of researchers here in California, uh, I believe it was USC and uh, and UCLA, they did a study of the number of cases of coronavirus in Santa Clara. Stanford led this test. 3,330 adults and children who live in Santa Clara County were recruited using Facebook ads, and they were testing for the COVID-19 antibodies. And they found that we've all had it in California. The population prevalence of COVID-19 in Santa Clara was Mm -hmm. somewhere between two and a half and four, a little more than four percent. So if you think about what April 1st was, April 1st in Santa Clara County, they had 956 confirmed positive cases, tested and tested positive, 956 Their data, according to this uh, USC-Stanford research, showed that there were somewhere between 50 and 80,000 people who likely had COVID-19 on April 1st, even though the total number of positive cases was only 956. Okay. So that means 
that so it, basically a thousand, but they are saying between fifty and eighty thousand people probably had it then. That means th- it's incredible news because the vast, vast, vast majority of them showed zero signs right. of illness of any kind. Now that's not to say that they didn't also spread it and it continued to move, but in terms of how many people have had this thing, it's just one county. It's not statewide, but it gives it's you an indication of of where we are, we're at statewide, though. Right, that that we have had this, that that we have, uh, many of us have been exposed to it and may have already developed antibodies to it, which is why we're, maybe why we're seeing such a low prevalence here in California compared to places like New York, New Jersey, even New Orleans, uh, Detroit, and things like that. That's That, to me, is incredible news, that on April 1st, in Santa Clara County, they had just about 1,000 positive tests but that the estimation is that they may have had as many as 81,000 people who were uh, positive for for wow. coronavirus back then. Incredible. All right. Coming up next, Swamp Watch. I love this. I love Swamp Watch. You do? Good. Do. See, look, things are looking up. Yeah. Right? Are you buying tricycles? Getting in contact with their media office to see if uh, we work something out. Work out a deal? Yeah. Because we don't need to keep them. No. But we do need to ride them. We need to ride them. I can't wait to ride them down the halls like Danny. We should I race just, them. I just don't. We, oh, we will race yeah. them. Oh, yeah. Mario there Kart will style. be races. I'm just worried <laughs> about Kart. when those twins show up uh, and all the blood. Like Robin's going to wear that costume to work again. Oh, that's right. She actually had. Oh, we should get Robin to put that costume on. <laughs> and then ride Stand around the corner. Stand in the hallway. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This could be really something special. Uh, Governor Newsom is giving his update when it comes to uh, coronavirus. And again, the economic task force he has announced today does include all four previous governors of the state of California. and uh, Or the four living, I guess, uh, previous governors. And uh, Tom Steyer, of all people, who's going to be in charge of uh, making sure that we can get back to uh, back to a humming economic engine that is the state of California. Well, there's a new poll that says people are growing more pessimistic about that possibility. Ryan Burrow joins us now with all of the latest from Chicago. Ryan, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It seems, though, that uh, many of us believe we're just going to be hanging out for a while. I'm Actually, as I speak to you right now, the governor of Illinois, which is where I'm at, has announced no school through the end of the school year here in Illinois. It kind of follows the trend we've been seeing, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, here in the Midwest, Wisconsin as well, Iowa earlier today announcing that. So, um, And now it appears as though Americans are, are preparing to hunker down at least until the middle of the summer before things get back to quote-unquote normal. Uh, The latest ABC News Ipsos poll shows Americans, uh, 9 out of 10, whose daily routines have been uh, disrupted to this point, Uh, 69% do not expect to get uh, back to their normal routine until after July 1st. So uh, they have a feeling that uh, this is going to be lasting a while, at least to some extent. Uh, life will not return to normal. But th- is there a, a, a definition of what normal is? Because I think a lot right. of people do expect that they'll go back. It's just they're going to have social distancing requirements. So they're going to have to wear a uh, face covering when they go back out in public. Do they, do they get into the granular nature of what the word normal means? 
No, because I think it's a sliding scale, and I think it means different things to different people. For people who have been able to go to work, uh, essential workers, if you will, uh, things will probably not change as drastically as as other people who may have been hunkered down. Um, you know, so I, I don't think that they, at least in, in the in the information that we were given, they don't get into that. But there will be some kind of change in routine, whether that be the way you shop. Uh, whether or not you're going to work or not going to work, perhaps working from home, obviously, as I mentioned, uh, the school thing uh, is going is going to be an issue for a lot of families as well. So, um, you know, many are prepared for uh, not anything uh, back to, to, to the life that they knew before, at least before July 1st. How are you doing? Are your kids uh, in school or, or school aged? I forget. Well, they just they just found out a couple of minutes ago they're not going back to school. So I, I don't know what the reaction has been. My wife's actually a teacher as well, so uh, she's been kind of nervous. I I think she wants to get back to the school to to wrap up some things. The kids seem to be doing fine. Uh, you know, this e-learning thing's a breeze. Are you, you kidding me? Sitting on the the laptop and the iPad for a couple hours doesn't that sound like fun? You're talking to your friends that way. So um, they haven't missed a beat. Um, but yeah, I, I think that. Um, you know, for parents who thought, well, you know, eventually they'll be back and I'll be able to get back into my work routine, that's going to be a little bit tougher. Your wife's in a better position than a lot of my friends who are not teachers and are struggling to figure out things like, you know, fractions uh, <laughs> because it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in that same boat. And I, I was telling friends it's tough because they're, they're home, they're getting all their work done. Um, and there's nothing to yell at them about. You know, I come home and I want to yell at them, do your homework, but they've already done it. And then I yell at them to make their bed and, and they've already done that. So, you know, <laughs> I need something to yell at them about and I just can't do it. <laughs> that is awesome. Ryan, thank you. Good luck. Take care, guys. You bet. Ryan Burrow there with the latest from Chicago. I wanted to reiterate this story because I do think that this is going to be an incredibly important story as we get. Unfortunately, it comes out on a Friday and I don't want it to get lost in the maw of a weekend. Uh, but this study that was published today from Stanford and USC, and again, this is about uh, the antibody testing. This is this is a test that's not necessarily widespread, but will or should be widespread as we get into this uh, world where we're trying to figure out the next steps in terms of reopening the economy. Given the lack of available tests, we don't really know how prevalent coronavirus is, how, how many people have had or been exposed to COVID-19. So these two research groups, assisted by a team of volunteers, went through Santa Clara County. This was one of the first places in the United States where community spread was detected, where it, it came from someone in the community as opposed to someone coming from uh, from China or you know being directly related to somebody who was infected. And this study, they noted that COVID-19 is probably far more widespread than any official counts suggest, because remember— even when we listen to Dr. Barbara Ferrer give her numbers, it's you have to show symptoms, right? Your doctor has to approve a test, and then you have to get tested. And even of all of the people who are getting tested, we're still looking at 10, 12 percent of people who are testing positive. So it, it's not I, I mean, in terms of the um, a lot of people are going to have some symptoms, but not a lot of people are going to have the actual coronavirus. Uh, at least in terms of those who have gotten tested because they had symptoms. This shows that there are so many more people out there who never had symptoms of any kind because it says that on April 1st, the county, Santa Clara Department of Health, Santa Clara County Department of Health said that they had fewer than a thousand people test positive. 
officially April 1st, fewer than 1,000. But that their estimate when they went through and tested, a, I don't know, 3,000 some odd people, they said that it was between 25 and 4.2% of people who had the antibodies. That number, when you put that against the population of Santa Clara County, that means that somewhere between 50 and 80,000 people either had it on April 1st or had been exposed to it by April 1st so that the numbers that we're looking at are somewhere between 50 and 85 times lower than what they actually are in terms of the amount of community spread. Mathematical models say you get herd immunity when 60% of the population has antibodies, either through a past infection or a vaccination. In this case, it's going to be past infection. Uh, Herd immunity means that this is going to die down because not enough people without immunity are left to keep spreading it all around. We don't know for sure if the antibodies give you immunity. Right. But it's so, likely. But I mean, it, it, based it, on sure. everything else that we know about other sicknesses and illnesses, that seems very, very likely that that would be the case. But again, that was from two weeks ago. They're talking about the April 1st numbers. If this thing spreads as quickly as everybody believes it does... But for the vast, vast majority of people, does not even in, uh, does not even pre- present symptoms that would require you to even contact your doctor. Then that's fantastic news. Absolutely, because that also means that of the let's say on the high end that it was four point two percent of the people in Santa Clara County who by April first had been exposed to it. We've gone through two weeks. Uh, you know, even though we've had all this social distancing, that that number is going to go up even within family units that number is going to go up. And you're going to see those numbers of people with antibodies increasing each and every week that we go through this. A bunch of new movies available for streaming today. We'll get an update from Jason Nathanson when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I went backstage to one of his concerts one time. Yeah. What was your feeling? I when I saw him, I saw him at the Hollywood Bowl a handful of years ago. It's kind of a D. Um. Well, I didn't actually get to see him backstage, but I went backstage, which is unfortunate because I kept the the uh, sticker, the backstage pass, Mm -hmm. and showed it off to everybody. They're like, "What's Billy Joel like?" And I said. Well, actually, I I don't know. I I didn't actually meet him. How'd you have the sticker? Uh, A friend was, a friend's father was the tour coordinator for that section of the tour. Is this a girlfriend of yours? Uh, She was a girl. Yeah, she was. But that wasn't who I went with. Mm -hmm. Um, But, (laughs) stop it. Um, I saw him at the Oakland uh, Oakland Coliseum. What did you do backstage while you were back there? We walked around like idiots because we were 17 years old and didn't know what to do. Yeah. What do you do when you're backstage at that coolest concert? You just walk into doors. You see a door, you walk into it. Well, we walked around and there was a group of four of us. Didn't you see Almost Famous? It's what you do. The Almost Famous came out, I might want to say, 15 years later. You walk in with a bottle of champagne. Um, but it was a brilliant concert. Billy Joel was spectacular yeah, he really in concert. Is. You know who's not going to be great, or I should say would have been great in concert, but now is not going to be great in concert, hmm. T-Swift. She canceled all of her upcoming concerts through the end of the year. Jason Nathanson is one of those guys who had tickets to go see her at SoFi Stadium, and out of luck, Chuck. 
Sorry. Oh, I, I don't have tickets. Mm-hmm. I get I get passes. Oh, I get passes. I get. oh okay. Well, excuse okay. us. Uh. I'm not running to Ticketmaster for a refund, okay? Wow. That's, that's not how it Mr. works over here. Fancy pants. Are you wearing pants? Yeah. Uh, I am wearing pants, yes. I've been dressed up this whole time because the the virus wins if you <laughs> Yeah. If you quit. I felt like the yeah. virus won when we wore sweats. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm all dressed up and uh, I got I got pants on. I am in the hot tub though, so Ooh. it's kind of weird all dressed up in the hot tub. But there you go, the hot tub kills kills viruses. Uh, I'm not certain about that. Who but... wears pants in the hot tub? Well, in this, you got to take extra precautions in this day and age. Uh-huh. You just don't know. <laughs> And I've been in here for a month now, and I haven't gotten it. So I don't know what that's all here for a month. So what can we stream today? What's good? What's new? I need a new addiction. My current addiction, All American, is uh, I'm almost running out of it. So I need something new. Well, there are a couple things this weekend if you're looking for streaming stuff. And the biggest of them, there's two. There's two. But the the one I think people are most excited about premieres Sunday on ESPN. It's oh the my last God. Dance. Yes. I cannot wait for this. And they've been, it's the Michael Jordan uh, series and it was yeah. supposed to come out in July or June, but they've bumped it up to April because we need it. And the clips that they have released so far yesterday and today are making me want it so much more. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be great. Everybody who I've talked to who knows about it says it's going to be fantastic. This is going to be the 10-part series that follows Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls during their 1997-1998 season, which is the last year that they won the championship in their legendary 90s dynasty. Uh, and it's supposed to be fantastic. And, and I think even Michael Jordan said himself, if you, if, you don't, if you don't like me, you're not going to like me after this. At one part uh, <laughs> of the, the filming, he had to stop because he became like so emotional. They had to stop filming. And the teaser that they released yesterday is him talking about how when he was injured and he wanted to play and they, the doctors were telling him, you know, there's a 10 percent chance that if you re-injure yourself, you're done with basketball. And this was early on in the career. And he said and they, he said, I don't care. I want to play. And his doctor said to him, well, if I gave you uh, I don't think you're understanding the ratio. If I gave you a, a, a bottle of pills and a nine of them, you'd be fine. But you took that one and it would kill you, what would you do, you know, if you had a headache? And, I, and then this was, this was wow. the thing. And he said, well, how bad, how bad's the effing headache? <laughs> I just can't wait. It looks so good. It looks like yeah. really well-produced, too. Well, I mean, if, if you saw the O.J. Simpson docuseries oh, that yeah. ESPN did, uh, this was before the actual the FX series came out, and that was fantastic. And that, that was under the 30 for 30 banner. I don't know if this is under the 30 for – I assume it is because it's ESPN. Um, but also, if you want to watch it on ESPN on, on Sunday night, that's going to be – I think there's actually profanity in that one. And then so on ESPN2, they're running a family-friendly version that's going to air at the same time. So if you want to watch it with kids – you watch the ESPN version, That's ESPN funny. two version. Shannon's um, crinkling and, her face. Like, why would you ever do that to a child? Well, uh, deprive <laughs> them of the opportunity to hear Michael Jordan <laughs> drop an F bomb. hundred percent. I'm watching the ESPN version, but I know there's people out there who might not want to. And also then tomorrow night is the big one world together at home broadcast simulcast thing. So this is all the, the ABC, NBC and CBS 
are going to be airing this along with a bunch of their cable outlets and streaming outlets, Facebook, Hulu, Prime Video. This is the big, you know, defining concert special of this COVID-19 time. It's going to be hosted by Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, and Jimmy Kimmel. And Lady Gaga, is uh, she's curating the music performances, which will include Paul McCartney, Elton John, Billie Eilish, John Legend, Stevie Wonder, Eddie Vedder. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I haven't heard of any of those people, but go on. <laughs> what, have you been under the hot tub this whole time? <laughs> uh, and so this is this is going to be the big. This is going to be the the farm aid. This is going to be the hands across America. This is going to be the defining special, I think, of of all of this which is going on. And it's not a telethon, so it's not going to be a call in, raise money type thing. They're getting money from corporate sponsors, that and that's how they're fundraising. I also have a feeling they're going to hit you up for a link and say, if you want to go here to donate, you can. Um, but it's not going to be a stars are manning. the Matthew McConaughey is going to pick up the phone and take your call type thing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Hey, the other news that came out today about a cancellation was uh, Comic-Con is going to be canceled yeah. down in San Diego. That's a, that's a huge hit for that city. Huge, absolutely. First time in 50 years, and Comic-Con has become part of the lifeblood and, and, and money, the revenue for San Diego. They count on that every single year, and they have fought very hard. They've tried to move Comic-Con to Los Angeles, and San Diego has fought very hard over the years uh, because as it's grown over 50 years, with 135,000 people or so going uh, for the four days every year, it, San Diego's not that big, and the convention center, is, is, it's kind of outgrown that downtown area. But they made promises saying, no, we're going to expand. We're going to make it. We're, don't worry, Comic-Con. You'll, you have a home here, and you'll be safe here. Uh, and a, a lot of the promises came from the money that uh, Comic-Con generated. Now they're saying they're going to lose at least $88 million in revenue this year because of that. I think that goes up over $100 million. And this is, you know, it, this is something that people have been – they save for for a year, if not years, to try to go yeah. from all over the world. This is a huge, huge event. The studios and, and the, the, uh, the cable channels and everything, they're going to lose out on their ability to promote some big things. But, you know, in, in some cases that doesn't matter because a lot of this stuff isn't coming out in theaters, and they haven't had a, a, the chance to, to film a lot of it. A lot of the stuff that they show is this uh, preview, this early stuff uh, that they've been filming, and everything's shut down right now. So most of the studios wouldn't have anything to offer anyway. Uh, good point. All right. Jay, we appreciate it. It's good to hear from you. Uh, good to hear from you, too. Take care. Keep the water warm and that Speedo out of your peach crease. Oh, boy. We'll do our uh, L.A. County update coming up in just a few minutes on Gary and Shannon. Here is Public Health Director Dr. Barbara Ferrer. For your steadfast and thoughtful leadership. Uh, to update you on our current status, I'm sad to report an additional 40 deaths today. 28 of the people who passed away were over the age of 65 and 19 people who died over the age of 65 had underlying health conditions. There were eight people who died who were between the ages of 41 and 65, and six of these people had underlying health conditions. And there was one younger person between the ages of 18 and 40 who also had underlying health conditions. We do have one death that's still under investigation, and there are two cases that were reported by the city of Pasadena for which we do not have information. This brings the total number of deaths to 495 in Los Angeles County, and our mortality rate for COVID-19 is at 4.3%.
87% of the people who have died from COVID-19 had underlying health conditions, reminding us of how important it is that we do everything we can so that those with underlying health issues are able to remain safely in their homes uh, with the rest of us helping to make sure they have all of their essential services and supports delivered to their homes. For the 425 deaths where race and ethnicity has been identified, 16% are African-American, 18% are Asian, 34% are Latinx, 29% are white, and 3% of the people who passed away identified with another race or ethnicity. And I want to know that we're working hard with our community partners to respond to the disproportionate number of deaths that we continue to see among African Americans and also tracking information for other subpopulations where, they may, where there may be disproportionality in the burden associated with mortality rates. Uh, this includes uh, right now uh, addressing immediately issues that are related to the access to testing, to access to health services, and to access to accurate information about COVID-19. For those of you who are grieving lost loved ones, we are really sorry. And please know that you remain in our thoughts and prayers every day. Today, we're also reporting 567 new cases. Over the last 48 hours, there have been 966 new cases in LA County. And our total number of cases for the county is 11,391. These cases include 406 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 198 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. We're also reporting a small increase in the number of confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. The majority of the people who are confirmed as positive uh, among people experiencing homelessness were unsheltered, but there were 10 people who were sheltered and they're now appropriately isolated and their close contacts are quarantined. We are conducting investigations at seven different shelters and identifying staff and guests that need testing, isolation, and quarantine uh, who are residing at these sites. Uh, there are 3,014 people who at some point in time and uh, who are positive for COVID-19 have needed to be hospitalized. Uh, this remains around 26% of all of our positive cases. For the 1,624 that are currently hospitalized, 33% of these people are in the ICU and 20% of these patients are on ventilators. We're also currently investigating 228 institutional settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. This is 19 additional investigations since yesterday, and these investigations are happening across nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, and correctional facilities. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings has risen to 2,183. Uh, and that includes 1,215 people uh, who are residents in facilities and 968 people who are staff. And I'm sad to report that there are 177 people who are residents in institutional settings that have lost their lives uh, for causes related to COVID-19. These are primarily residents who are residing in skilled nursing homes and assisted living facilities. And this now represents 30, 36% of all of our deaths. 
So we are extraordinarily worried about the outbreaks that continue to happen across the many different institutional settings. Uh, and I do want to note um, that while in most institutional settings where we're investigating, there's a very small number of cases, there are 20 uh, nursing homes and uh, care facilities that have had outbreaks with more than 20 residents uh, testing positive for COVID-19. And out of these 20, there are four sites that are experiencing large outbreaks of more than four, of re of 40 residents or more. Uh, next week, as I noted uh, a couple of days ago, we're hoping to have a dashboard with information by site that includes the number of positive and suspect cases among residents and staff, and also the number of deaths. We have requested additional assistance from the Centers for Disease Control and the state to help us address the need for increased technical assistance at the large number of sites that have uh, positive cases. Uh, this is particularly technical assistance around uh, being able to implement stringent infection control processes. And also, we've requested additional staffing to support the high rate of staff absences at some of the facilities, which again limits the ability of the staff to provide uh, high quality care. We're also working with a handful of nursing home providers who have offered to help us set up uh, sites that can serve COVID-19 positive patients that need to reside at SNFs, at, at uh, skilled nursing facilities and intermediate care facilities uh, and are transitioning back uh, in many cases from having uh, stayed in a hospital for a few days. Uh, we're also reporting 77 confirmed cases. At some point, uh, these people were positive in our jail facilities. Uh, that includes 17 inmates and 60 staff. Uh, currently, the sheriff's office is reporting that there are 15 inmates that have tested positive. There are 53 inmates that are in isolation. And 1,401 uh, people who are incarcerated are at this point in time quarantined. There are 67 cases in both our federal and state prisons. That's among uh, one, that's 11 staff people and 56 inmates. And we remain at only four cases uh, in our juvenile facilities, and these were four staff people. We do post a list of facilities with confirmed cases on our website uh, once uh, they've had an opportunity to notify their staff, residents, and families. And you can always see every day an updated report of LA County cases on the Department of Public Health's website at publichealth.lacounty.gov. Uh, the Los Angeles County Sheriff Department is reporting 38 positive cases among staff. There are 350 staff that are currently quarantined and 406 staff have returned to work. The LA County Fire Department is reporting 17 positive cases among staff. 12 people are quarantined in their homes. Three people are home in isolation and sick, and 14 people have returned to work. Thank you again, Sheriff Villanueva and Chief Osby, for tracking and reporting this data. Um, you'll hear more about uh, the expansion of all of our testing capabilities in the county from Dr. Kazan in a moment. But in summary, set over 74,000 people have been tested, and their results have been reported uh, to the LA County Public Health Department, and 14% of these folks uh, have tested positive. Um, and I, I do want to uh, note that uh, we owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Kazan 
uh, for elevating our ability here in LA County to test thousands of more people each day. Uh, so please join me in, in being so grateful uh, that we are now living in a county that has expansive testing availability uh, for all of our residents who are symptomatic with respiratory illness. And I want to note that on Monday, uh, Dr. James McKinnell, who works with us at the Department of Public Health, will assume leadership for coordinating testing capacity across the county. Uh, he's an infectious disease physician with experience in healthcare systems, epidemiology, and the spread of infections in healthcare facilities. We're grateful uh, that he'll be able to work with uh, Dr. Kazan as we make sure that we continue uh, to have testing capacity available for all uh, residents in LA County who need to be tested uh, under the guidance of their provider. I have a couple of, of new updates today that I wanted to share. The first is uh, we've figured out uh, uh, an ability to report to you periodically around pregnant women uh, who are positive for COVID-19. I know there's been a lot of interest uh, in outcomes for women who are pregnant. Uh, we do have a little bit of data. Uh, we've identified 61 women in the county who are pregnant and who tested positive for COVID-19. 10% of these women are in their first trimester of pregnancy, 33% are in their second trimester, and 34% are in their third trimester. But there are 12 women who were positive with COVID-19 who did already deliver their babies, uh, and all of their babies were delivered safely. So we welcome uh, your new babies uh, to LA County. Uh, six of the infants who were tested all tested negative, and we wish uh, you and your families well. Uh, as you begin your new journey um, with your new babies. I also have an update on cases amongst healthcare workers. Uh, just a reminder, we'll be reporting on these updates for uh, healthcare workers that are infected with COVID-19 once a week. Uh, we're reporting an additional 654 confirmed healthcare worker, confirmed cases among healthcare workers who tested positive for COVID-19. And that brings our total number of uh, healthcare workers who are positive uh, with COVID-19 to 1,441 people. 38% uh, of the cases are among nurses, 6% are among physicians, and 4% are among administration, and an additional 4% are among non-patient facing services at various healthcare facilities. The rest of the cases are, are scattered amongst many different uh, healthcare occupations. Uh, the cases come from 26 different settings across LA County. Hospitals continue to represent the majority of sites where healthcare workers are testing positive. Uh, that number is at 36%. Uh, but the number at skilled nursing facilities has increased from 19% last week to 31% of our total number of cases this week. 9% of staff uh, who are uh, working in healthcare facilities that tested positive work at outpatient sites, and the remaining staff are again across a variety of other settings. Half of the healthcare workers are reporting a known exposure to COVID 19, with 36% of them noting that the exposure was either another healthcare worker and/or a patient. 8% of healthcare workers who have reported a positive test for COVID-19 have at some point been hospitalized. And I'm also saddened to report 
that there were, de there were five deaths among healthcare workers who tested positive for COVID-19, and all have been fairly recent. Three, uh, three people worked in skilled nursing facilities, one person worked in correctional health, and one person who passed away worked in the hospital. Three of the five people who died were nurses. And to the families of the healthcare workers who lost their lives, we're very sorry for your loss, and we keep you in our prayers. These workers, all of them, all of our healthcare workers, help all of us when we're sick, and they are our heroes. And we can't thank our healthcare workers and frontline workers enough for all they are doing. We've been talking a lot uh, this week about mo moving forward and, and being able at some point in the near future to lift some of the safer at home restrictions. Uh, COVID-19, as you note from all the numbers I, I report, has spread across our entire community. So we need to continue to do all we can do to slow the spread and prevent as many infections as possible while we plan for our recovery. And just as a reminder, safer at home is still in place and it's important that everyone continue to follow the directives that are contained within the health officer order. This means staying home as much as possible and if you must be out for essential services, as a reminder, you're required to wear a clean, face, a clean cloth face covering and maintain your physical distance of six feet or more uh, from other people uh, that you may be in close contact with. Cloth face coverings should be worn anytime you're accessing essential services and that you're around people who are not members of your household. This means wearing your cloth face covering when you go food shopping or into a pharmacy. It also means wearing your, your cloth face covering when you drop off or pick up your child from childcare and when you pick up food from a restaurant. Wear cloth face covering if you're using the metro, a public bus, a rideshare service, or a taxi. If you're coming close to anyone that's not in your household, a member of your household, please remember to put on your clean cloth face covering. This helps you to not spread the virus to others and it does protect our essential workers. And I do wanna give a big thank you to all of our many, many essential workers. You're working under extraordinary circumstances and you're keeping things running for the rest of us. We are very grateful and we pledge to protect you when we come in to the places and spaces you're working. If you've tested positive for COVID-19, a reminder as we go into the weekend, or you have symptoms of respiratory illness and you're waiting for your test results, or you've been told by your provider that you're likely to be positive, please self-isolate for seven days and 72 hours after symptoms and fever subside. Please also tell all of your close contacts that you are positive for COVID-19. And if you've been a close contact of a person who's positive for COVID-19, uh, please make sure you're self-quarantining for 14 days. Each day, I'm inspired by all of you who are continuing to do your part to slow the spread of COVID-19. In this challenging time, so many of you have shown courage, goodwill, and compassion as all of our lives have changed. And we've all been affected in very different ways. These times are tough, but I know that they're temporary. And we're in this together, as Supervisor Barger mentioned, and by working together, we're making it possible to get to the other side. Thank you all so much. 
And now it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Kazan, the medical director of LA County Fire. Thank you very much, Dr. Ferrer, and good afternoon, everybody. I'd like to start by expressing my heartfelt thanks for the gratitude that the public has shown to our first responders and our healthcare workers. We deeply appreciate it, and we're proud to be here every day to serve you. On that note, on behalf of the Los Angeles County Fire Department, I would like to extend our thoughts and prayers to the Torrance Fire Department engineer and his family as he battles this disease. The best way that the public can help is to donate blood or plasma and to determine if you're eligible and find a donation center, please go to redcross.org. Uh, we're facing a very severe uh, shortage of blood for our, our patients right now. On March 18th, the Board of Supervisors requested my assistance with the scaling up of COVID-19 testing across Los Angeles County. At the time, there were only a few labs capable of doing the PCR testing here, and most specimens were sent out of state. Doctors couldn't order the tests and patients had very little access. Over the ensuing weeks, we built an enormous coalition with the, county, the county's unified coordination group with our partners at the city, Mayor Garcetti, the city council, and my colleague at the city, Dr. Mark Eckstein, uh, with our board offices and local political teams, with our fire department incident management team, and with healthcare stakeholders from all across the region. In less than a month, I'm very proud to share that we built a network of 30 mobile testing centers with a total capacity of about 11,000 tests per day. Virtually all of the labs that we do are processed in the Los Angeles area. It's not a perfect system. I understand that there are some concerns around the turnaround time and it has been a little bit bumpy for a start. Um, but we're getting better every day and we ask you to please bear with us as our labs in particular get caught up and really uh, get their stride. The testing capacity that we've been able to bring to Los Angeles County rivals the capacity of virtually any country in the world. While we knew that we would not be able to put a center on every corner or in every city, we have achieved the point where testing is accessible to the vast majority of our communities. We now have available appointments often same day across our testing sites. We encourage symptomatic people and doctors who are trying to order these tests for their patients to take advantage of this opportunity. You can find out if you qualify and register for testing by visiting our website at covid19.lacounty.gov. Now that the system has been constructed, we'll begin transferring the COVID testing branch from my team to the Department of Public Health. And as Dr. Ferrer mentioned, I'll be passing the reins to the very capable hands of Dr. James McKinnell, who's an infectious disease specialist. He and I have been working together over the past week and I will be here to support him for as long as is necessary to ensure a smooth and successful transition. As glad as I am to be returning to my own area of expertise in EMS at the fire department, I want to express my immense pride and gratitude for the opportunity to play a part in such a monumental achievement for the residents of Los Angeles County. And at this point, I'm gonna introduce Dr. Christina Gali from the Department of Health Services. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hi, and good afternoon. I'm Dr. Christina Galley, the Director of the Department of Health Services. I'll give a brief update today on a couple of topics, testing particularly for employees and healthcare workers within the department, as well as a brief synopsis of the bed count. Let me start just by thanking all of the healthcare workers and first responders out there. Uh, I hope that these sentiments, when they're relayed to you and when you walk around your neighborhoods and you see the signs that are posted in people's windows and yards, that you realize how much our, our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers are with you, and we're so grateful for the ongoing work that you're doing. It takes the teams of individuals that are out there to save the lives, and we're grateful for all you're doing. Access to testing is a critical part of the COVID-19 response, and I'm grateful to the leadership of Dr. Kazan over the past several weeks, as well as to the new leadership of Dr. McKinnell as he takes on this great task. In a time of crisis like this, we do want to make sure that we're doing everything we can, not just for testing of patients, but also for testing of our healthcare workforce who may be exposed to COVID-19 in a variety of settings, both within the community as well as in their workplace. All Department of Health Services employees who have symptoms of COVID-19 can be tested through Employee Health Services as part of the department. This option is available to any employee or contracted workforce member who has symptoms and would like to be tested. Of course, individuals can also receive testing through their own personal provider or through one of a number of drive-through testing sites that Dr. Kazan had a hand in setting up. As is the nature of the virus, it's complex and we want to make sure that people have multiple opportunities to be able to receive testing, though we realize that the exposures are varied and many. Workplace exposures can be reduced through careful use of personal protective equipment as well as by following all infection prevention and control guidelines, things like using masks and careful hand hygiene. And I can't underscore the importance of continued hand washing as the first line of, de of defense in preventing exposure to COVID-19. And that applies for the general public as well as to healthcare workforce. Staff across the Department of Health Services have access to personal protective equipment, including masks, in sufficient number to protect them. And we follow all public health guidelines, including those put out by our own public health department, as well as the state and the Centers for Disease Control. I'll also give just a brief snapshot on the bed count that's available across the county. Today, as of this morning, across all Los Angeles County 911 receiving hospitals, there are a total of 1,550 staffed and available beds. This includes 242 intensive care unit beds. There are an additional approximately 900 staffed licensed beds that are in other uh, non-adult or specialized care settings. This includes pediatric units, labor and delivery, units, trauma units, burn units, other types of beds that can also be used for COVID-19 patients as needed in a surge. There's also additional hospital capacity that is available and being added on in hospital surge plans over and above their typical staffed license capacity, as well as the capacity that's been brought online through resources such as the Mercy Ship and the LA Surge Hospital or the LASH. Among the four DHS hospitals, we currently have a total of 501 available staffed beds, and this includes 73 ICU beds. Our ED volume continues to be much lower than normal, running at about 50 to 60 percent of normal capacity. In the last 24 hours, there were 458 emergency department patients through our three emergency departments. We would encourage all those individuals who are, are experiencing a medical emergency to please uh, you call 911 or transport themselves 
themselves to their nearest local emergency department so that they can receive care for uh, whatever is their ongoing or new issue. I do want to emphasize that all of the events, the efforts are very difficult on everybody. I know that the toll that this is taking on people's personal and professional lives, and I'm grateful for everything that the community and the workforce, the county workforce, city workforce, state workforce, and all of the individuals working across the public and private sector are doing to come together and help develop a, a coherent and strategic and coordinated response to COVID-19. By working together and by banding together in these difficult times, we can make tremendous progress, and I'm so thankful for everything people have done. With that, I'll close things out and turn it over to Ryan for questions. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you do wish to ask a question, please press one, then zero. Oh, we'll have to see if Steve gets a Our question. Our first question is going to come from the line of Sherry Mossberg with CNN. Please go ahead. Good afternoon. Um, this question is for Dr. Ferrer. I'm looking to see if you can tell me a little bit more about the mortality rate and put that in context. Um, I see it more than doubled in the last two weeks. And is that, what can you attribute that to? Is that lag time or, or what exactly? I think, uh, and thanks a lot for your question. Um, I think a lot of it is a lag time issue. As we have more cases, uh, we're going to see more people dying. Uh, that's the unfortunate and devastating reality of COVID-19. But uh, it's, not a, it's not a day by day match. Um, so the days that you see uh, more cases, you don't necessarily have the same proportion of people that might die that day as you've seen an increase in cases because oftentimes people are ill for a few days uh, before they pass away. Um, so I think that's one issue. I think the second issue that's contributing to the increase in the death rates is, as I've noted, we have many more uh, skilled nursing facilities uh, that have uh, seen a significant number of cases within those facilities. And the people who are uh, residents in those facilities are already in fragile, often already in fragile medical condition. And a disease like COVID-19 both spreads more easily in a congregate living situation and also can have devastating impacts on people with underlying health conditions. You know, somewhere between 85 and, and 87 or 88 percent of all of the people who have died in LA County from uh, COVID-19 uh, have had an underlying uh, serious health condition. Um, and I think uh, our most vulnerable are obviously uh, many of the residents who are staying in skilled nursing facilities, uh, intermediate care facilities, and other congregate sites where it's uh, easy uh, for both the site and the people who are staying there, as well as the employees, uh, to be overwhelmed uh, with the quick spread of an infection. But thank you for your question. We'll take the next question. And that comes from the line of Louisa Marshall with NBC4. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Thanks so much for taking my question. I appreciate it. Uh, my question is also for Dr. Ferrer. Uh, there's recent research, including an article published from a top researcher at MIT, saying that aerosols containing COVID-19 released by coughing or sneezing can travel up to 28 feet in distance. In light of that research, should six feet physical distancing be the recommendation? No, um, I, I'm thrilled that um, there are so many scientists and researchers that are giving us a much deeper understanding 
um, of the virus. Um, I just would caution all of us that oftentimes um, what, what uh, gets studied in sort of a lab setting and how this virus actually acts in the real world may be slightly different, and that it's often helpful to have multiple studies that are exploring similar issues um, so that we can actually benefit from what I call the collective wisdom of the researchers and scientists. So we are paying attention. You know, to date, I think, uh, as with uh, many coronaviruses, the, the six-foot um, distance is a, a practical uh, distance. Uh, it's a distance that we know respiratory droplets are easily able to uh, be transmitted. But as you note, um, our guidance is just that. And it really says, you know, stay as far apart as possible. The minimum distance should be six feet. I think as we find out more information, we're going to do a really good job being able to be more precise around the guidance. Um, but I do think we need more studies that really look at how this virus is interacting with all of us in the real world. Um, but thank you for that question. And we'll take the next question. That will come from the line of Dakota Smith with LA Times. Go ahead, your line is open. Good afternoon. I have some questions about the new county-backed Los Angeles Surge Hospital. Um, as you know, this facility opened on Monday at the site of the St. Vincent uh, Medical Center. Can you tell me, and this question is forever, whoever is most qualified to talk about the hospital, how many patients um, are currently there? And if you visited the facility, could you give us a sense of, of what you saw and what it's like there? And what role do you see this hospital serving in the crisis? Yeah, hi, this is Christina Galley. I'll take that question. The current census in the LASH facility is eight. That was as of this morning. Uh, they intentionally opened uh, on, on what we just referred to as a slow ramp up to get the hospital and its staff uh, adjusted to accepting patients. They wanted a mix of ICU patients and medical surgical general acute care patients. Uh, and their efforts are, are ongoing to be able to increase the volume of transfers to the LASH in the coming days. One of the things that uh, is being discussed is, is what you're alluding to, which is what's the best use of that facility, given the ongoing changes in the demographics and the epidemiology, and as well as what hospitals, the general acute care hospitals across the county are experiencing. Uh, the hospital is intended by the state and the county to be a resource for the general acute care hospitals, and everybody is actively looking at uh, making sure that whatever changes need to be made in the patient transfer process allow for accommodation of that. Uh, the team on the ground is excellent. They've done a fantastic job uh, with the partnership with Dignity Health and Kaiser Permanente on setting it up. Uh, and I would encourage people to reach out to them directly to get the on-the-ground experience. We'll take the next question. And that will come from the line of Lee Ross with Fox News. Go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you so much. This is a question for uh, Dr. Ferrer. Uh, yesterday, you noted that the results of the county serology study would be announced early next week, though it, it sounds like maybe you already know some of the results. With that in mind, I'd like to get your thoughts on today's Stanford antibody uh, test results for Santa Clara County, which showed an infection rate of up to 85 times the number of people who've actually tested positive for an infection fatality rate of zero 0.12% to 0.20%. What do you make of these other numbers published today and how might they compare to LA County's numbers to come next week? 
Yeah, and thanks so much for that question. And, and we will actually make sure that we're able to release the results from the serology testing on Monday. So uh, our team is hard at work with the researchers from USC, our partner, uh, making sure that we can provide a complete report uh, out on Monday. But we, we anticipate that uh, our, our results, while the numbers are going to be somewhat different, they're going to tell a similar story. And I think the story is, is what you just said. Many more people have been infected uh, with, with uh, COVID-19 than those are being captured through our testing and identification of people who are testing positive uh, for COVID-19. Uh, that's a reflection, I think, uh, of two issues that uh, we faced across the country. One is the slow start for testing, and one is the fact that for many people, they may exhibit either no symptoms or mild symptoms, uh, and they're not going ahead and, and getting tested. They may not even be seeking any medical care. But it's an important number for us to have, for us to understand what percent of the population here in LA County, similar to the population in Santa Clara County, has in fact at some point come in contact with this virus and developed an antibody, uh, an antibody response. It doesn't necessarily tell us uh, whether or not those folks are in fact protected, uh, certainly protected permanently uh, from reinfection. And it doesn't tell us what number of people at this moment in time are actually infected with COVID-19, but it helps us understand spread. And as you noted, the biggest implication that it will have for us is it will give us a much better understanding of, the, of a truer rate of mortality. Uh, if, for example, you think there's 200,000 people that have been infected with COVID-19 and we're reporting uh, 500 deaths and you uh, then uh, do the math on that, uh, our rate of mortality drops significantly from the 4.2 or 4.4% that we've been reporting this week to a much smaller number. So we're anxious to complete our analysis and we're anxious to be able to talk with all of you about it. And I, I can promise you that, that that will happen on Monday. So thanks for that question. We have time for one more question. That question will come from the line of Brian Carter, Los Angeles Daily News. Go ahead, your line is open. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you to all of you um, for these. Um, I, I was curious uh, of um, Dr. Kazan, the biggest challenge, what the biggest challenge has been in making this uh, test network happen. You mentioned the bumpy roads. Um, and also just uh, as an addendum to that, kind of what the nature of the change in uh, leadership in building up that network will be, where that's going to go under under. Um, the new doctor coming in on Monday. And just if I may, just one other quick one. Um, we've got an election coming up, a special election coming up in northern L.A. County on May 12th. Um, and to my knowledge, there's going to be vote centers set up in that election. Um, I think nine of them to all told, 11 days up to uh, May 12th. And I, I just wondered of, of Dr. Ferrer, um, given the, the stay-at-home extension until May 15th, if you had any concerns about that, uh, people, uh, you know, congregating in a voting uh, polling station uh, and what safeguards maybe you've been working through with the registrar's office to ensure public safety in those elections. So thank you again. Okay, so I'll, I'll address the first couple of questions. The first questions were around the, the biggest challenges in, in scaling up the system. Um, 
anytime that you have to reach out and try and make a lot of connections in a short period of time, you spend a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time sending emails back and forth and gathering all those people together from all across Los Angeles County was a huge challenge. Uh, on top of that, we came into a laboratory system where there was very little capacity, particularly in Los Angeles. And we took the tack that we would prefer to work locally rather than to compete for space in the large national uh, labs like Quest and LabCorp, because we were afraid that we would end up having to compete with New York and New Orleans and other areas that were struggling. So we had to look really hard to find local capacity. And that capacity has been scaling up very rapidly. And some of the challenges that we've had in terms of the, um, the smoothness of our ability to get results in a short period of time and things like that have been because these labs scaled up so fast, they're, they're doing their very best to find their stride. But I think now we've actually tapped into a really great resource. Los Angeles County and Orange County together have more complex molecular testing labs than many countries in the world. And we now have connections with, uh, I believe, five different labs. Um, in terms of the nature of transferring leadership, uh, it's been my belief for the past month that at some point after we scale this system up that it really should live under public health and be a branch of Dr. Ferrer's efforts. That my purpose and role in this was to come together and um, assist them with scaling it up and, and really trying to work what connections I have since we serve uh, in LA County Fire 58 of the 88 cities in the county. Uh, but I always believed that once we had the system scaled up that it really should live as a strategy of our entire uh, public health focus on COVID-19. So I've always felt that there would be a natural transition. Having worked with, um, with the physician coming in, he is a natural fit. Uh, Dr. McKinnell is a, an expert in infectious disease. He has a lot of experience working with the labs and he has jumped in with both feet. So I think that he sees this eventually transitioning from the idea of a mobile testing site in a parking lot or a shopping mall and really trying to transition this back into that physician-patient relationship and having that be a part of the, the whole health visit rather than a drive-through testing site where testing is existing kind of as a separate silo of the healthcare system. So uh, I hope that answers your questions and I'm going to pass to Dr. Ferrer. You know, I want to, before I answer the question, I do want to, you know, uh, really thank uh, Dr. Kazan. And we owe him a debt of gratitude. I mean, he took us from having only a couple hundred people being tested a day to really capacity to test over 10,000 people a day. And it was it's just because he worked night and day to make sure that he could partner with others and, and make this happen. So we all owe him a debt of gratitude. Um, I do want to talk about the special election. Uh, it, it is, uh, a, it is uh, absolutely appropriate. Uh, that people be allowed to vote. Um, voting will happen in as safe a manner as possible. You know, we do encourage people to make sure that uh, you are using your hand sanitizer and that you're wearing your face coverings um, and that you uh, pay particular attention to keeping your distance physically uh, when you're at any of the voting sites. I do want to also commend 
uh, all of the folks who have been working to make sure that our elections can happen and happen safely and securely. Um, and that includes that uh, people have had uh, a lot of opportunities to use their mail-in ballots uh, for the special elections. But yes, we've been working really closely with the Election Commission to make sure that, in fact, they have the best infection control protocols available at all of the sites, and, and people should exercise their right to vote. I will now go to uh, remarks in Spanish. And I'd like to introduce... Uh, and that's uh, Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of Public Health for Los Angeles County. Uh, the numbers for today, of uh, 40 new deaths to announce, so we're up just under 500 deaths in L.A. County. 567 new positive tests, so we're at 11,391 positive tests for, for L.A. County. Out of a population of, what, 10 million? 10 million. Now, again, the, um, the important thing that uh, she mentioned, that Dr. Ferrer mentioned when asked about it, was the serology tests that came out of Northern California, Santa Clara County specifically, where uh, they tested uh, about 3,300 people randomly in Santa Clara County, and saw that as many as 4% of them had, and this is back from April 1st, so 4% of those people tested had antibodies for coronavirus, for COVID-19, which means that they had been exposed to it and that their body had developed uh, the ability to fight it off. That means, if you look at the population for Santa Clara County, that means that there could have been as many as 80,000 people positive for coronavirus on April 1st or who had been exposed to it by April 1st when the number of positive tests reported by Santa Clara County was only 1,000. Now, in L.A. County, they're doing a smaller test of about 1,000 people, and she said that the results they should have, she promised to have them ready on Monday. Earlier this week, she said yeah. she might have some information today. I'm anxious to hear those. But that's going to be important because, remember, the the one of the keys of this is it, it's sort of a good news, bad news. The good news being that if Santa Clara County's numbers are right and there were somewhere between 50 and 80,000 people with it at the time— the vast majority of them showed either no symptoms or mild enough symptoms that they never thought they had it or they never thought that they should go to their doctor or they dealt right. with it by themselves and recovered and everything's okay. In L.A. County, if those numbers are similar, where you're talking about 4% of the population, that's 400,000 people who potentially, I mean, if, if we look at the same timeline, there would have been 400,000 people that would have been infected with this thing and had such a small uh, it, it left such a small impact on them, on their bodies, that they never went to the doctor. They never went to get health care. They never uh, thought that they needed to get tested, and they never did get tested. So that, that's the good news part. It is good news. The bad news is that it spreads that quickly and that fast throughout the population. Well, we were wondering if Steve Gregory, who pissed off all of the L.A. County supervisors yesterday, really all of L.A. County brass, when he asked the question if uh, there would be pay cuts, voluntary pay cuts, like we're seeing in the private sector, in the public sector, in order to save people's jobs that maybe aren't making the kind of money that people like Catherine Barger Grr. are making. Grr. Just think of it when she says things you say. Grr. He joins us now, Steve. Uh, I'm just looking at my TV colleagues that there are nobody around. They're wearing a mask. I just wondered why that is. So do you want to talk crap about TV reporters or about I... the supervisor stonewalling you and not taking your question today? Sorry. Sorry. We, you, we could do both. We've got enough time. No. You know, so I obviously today was going to be kind of a litmus test to see where I'm going forward. Uh, real quick, I just want to pull the car over. See how difficult your job's going to be in the next couple of weeks. I just want to pull the car over real quick and uh, pull back the curtain. Steve's been taking all of our temperatures 
when we get in. So oh, we've I've got been, pictures. i got to post them. Oh, we've been calling him Dr. Steve. I'm is, the health officer. Is anybody cooler than me? I was at 95.9 this morning when I walked I in. was 96.6. I'm 107. <laughs> really? 0.6. That seems warm. <laughs> That's not too cool. It was only after, it uh, just happened a couple what of minutes What was yours? Ago. Uh, I when I came in, it was funny because now I've kind of gotten to where I'm taking it once an hour just because I'm curious. I've never really, I've never really checked my cycle, I guess. <laughs> or oh, Lord, I mean, but I mean my temperature. You know what I mean. I've never checked my. Right. Whatever. You've never paid that much attention to your own body, <laughs> right? Never, yeah, my, my body, my mind, um, or whatever. So yeah, I think when I came in this morning it was ninety five seven, and then like by that was at seven fifteen this morning. And then by 10, it was like 97. So it was, it's weird. I don't know why. And then it's back down to 96. Okay. You don't need to take it every hour. I'm just curious. I mean, curious. It's like I'm, weighing I'm yourself a, I'm every hour. I'm actually having a good yeah. time. I feel like a cop with a radar gun. I know. You do have a weird sense of power that you exude when <laughs> because, you're holding that thing. Well, because funny, you, could, you could send someone home. Right. Because you know what's funny? It's how nervous you guys get. Everyone I gets. was nervous. It's even Car- and funny. I kept putting it up to Carla, our editor, and I kept going, and it kept going, air and it said err on it red, it flashes red i'm like what is going on well her bangs i didn't realize her oh. bangs are in the way so she had to hold up her bangs so we could get a proper temperature proper reading so the county yes um so i call in i do you know normally i called in uh almost 15 minutes before the top of the hour and then what i do is i always call in early and then just let it sit there and they have that annoying loop of music so what the process is you call in, the operator comes on after you dial in the code number. Operator says, what's your name? And I said, you know, tell me the name. What's your outlet? Tell me the outlet. It's okay, I'll put you back on hold. Then they can flip a switch, and then you press 1 and 0 to put yourself into the queue to ask questions. So what happens is that you, the host, in this case the county, has the power of being able to flip that switch on and letting the queue come in. So... I, when I called in, I said, what number am I? And he says, you're number three. I was the third person to call in and check in. So, okay, great. So then the conference starts, and I just start hitting 1010, and then all of a sudden, boop, and then you get an automatic reply. You are in queue. Okay, great. So I figured right as soon as this thing starts, I'm pretty much probably right there at the beginning. So then I'm waiting and waiting. So I text this person that I have been dealing with behind the scenes because I have been on this nonstop complaint with them and they've assigned me a like a person to deal with now and this person i texted it and i i texted her and i said uh, so what number am i in the queue because she's the one that has control she's the one that controls the phone system for the county and she says um i'm not near the computer i'll check steve has to have handlers yeah. now. he's like handle yeah so um i'm doing this for you you know i'm doing this for you um the uh, did you want to dump that? Um, no. <laughs> so anyway, so what number am I in the queue? And um, and just said, uh, sorry, other side of the room. I'll head back over there now. Whatever. So by then, I call the operator because you can call the operator again and say, hey, if you have any problems. And the guy comes on and says, hi, Steve, because you've already identified yourself. Sure. Says, hi, Steve. This is Mike. What can I do for you? And I said, well, Mike, what order am I in the queue? Not the call, but the queue. And he goes, let me check. You're number eight. Mm. I said, oh, okay. Out of how many? Eight. Oh. <laughs> wow. It's like that. So I go, oh, okay. And I said, so is that was I just the luck of the draw there or something? He goes, well, no, the host has the ability to move the calls around. 
Okay, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. That's very helpful. So then I texted the person back. I said, um, just had an interesting chat with the AT&T operator. <laughs> and so this is like, well, then we already had issues because normally they do this live on the county channel. Sure. But it wasn't live on the county channel. It was Mark Ridley Thomas telling us how to wash our hands. It takes him 30 minutes to tell us how to wash our hands. I wonder if that's the product of one of those great $200,000 contracts. I would PR actually firm. like to hear that audio. So I text that back. I text the other person. I said, why is it not on the LA County channel all of a sudden? Like, oh, no, we're not going to do it live on there. I said, well, it says on your release it's live on the county channel. Oh, okay, noted. I'll let them know. I'm just like, it's making me tired because of these professionals that are not being very professional. So anyway, I'm number eight in line. So I'm waiting, and they're going and doing all the 90 hours. So I, I text, and I said, hey, um, uh, she says, she finally texted back, oh, by the way, you're number eight. By now, I already know that. And I said, that's what I figured. I said, the AT&T operator has been very helpful, learned a lot. And then she says, yes, we've asked AT&T to submit a service ticket to check into a potential issue of pressing one oh zero to God, enter the, the queue. bureaucracy. We've had complaints, so staff tested, and Kill unfortunately, me. they had to enter one and zero several times before it was recognized by the system. My reply, yeah, that might be, but I was more interested in the operator's comments about the host moving callers around. Yes, we have the ability to move callers around. After your earlier observation, we are working to ensure that several reporters from the same outlet do not ask several questions That's and crowd good. out reporters from other networks. That's good. My reply, so what about moving reporters for other reasons? O-S. No reply. <laughs> what? No oh, reply left on spot. red. Left on red. And beep, listen, boop, beep. If she's not texting you back during quarantine. <laughs> so, what do I do now? You got quarantine ghost. I double text. I'd write her again. Oh, yeah. No, I'll not sure if the last one went through. Show her if you really care. <laughs> yeah. Was in the shower. Thought I heard the phone ring. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have no shame. <laughs> uh, hey, a good thing that did come out of this. <laughs> so bad. Look at you guys. Uh, a good thing that did come out of the uh, the news hey, conference I've been today. Sexually distancing. From, <laughs> from, did you text me? <laughs> from L.A. County was that. Send her a pic. <laughs> The guy who's in charge of testing for L.A. County got some uh, some kudos from Dr. Ferrer for being able to uh, expand testing. What was it? 10,000 a day is whatever they were suggesting. And Dr. Clayton Kazan was saying that there are now 30 drive-up mobile testing sites throughout the county. Right. Yeah. And that you can get a test by going onto the L.A. County website. And the problem is they have to figure out the, the links on this because it's a it's... horrifically... Um, it's so confusing Im way to get to the site that then allows you to schedule an appointment uh, to go through and answer the questions. You can get basically an appointment same day for most people. You'd be able to so get a same day appointment. Embarrassing that a county like L.A. can make this public proclamation. Hey, go do this. Go to this website. We've got it all up and running and you go and it's just a piece of S. It's, it's a it's a pizza that's been made upside down. So that. I believe is I part of the scope of work for the like one of two PR agencies. Because then all the toppings come off right. and you're left I with mean, like still nothing. Pizza is still a good thing. It's still good that you can go to the county website and get a, you know, a COVID-19 test appointment. But it's so hard to get through and so hard to figure out. That's part of the scope of work, I believe, in one of the PR agencies that's getting $200,000. Oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. That's in the Listen, scope of work. I would do it for 20000 
I would do it. I would do it for twenty bucks, and then you know, in free parking. For I would year. do it for nothing. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Saint Shannon over there. Oh yeah. Um, the oh, of- by the way, I'm looking yes. forward to your happy hour tonight. It will be at five o'clock on Instagram Live. Where will you be? At our home. Where we're going to be? Oh, we can't be anywhere else, Steve. Steve, you're not breaking quarantine, are you? Well, no, I'm here. You're not I don't going go to anywhere. Barbara Ferrer's house for a nightcap, <laughs> huh? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Don't I want to party with her, though? Do you? You really do. Wow. Does she look like a good time? You know what? She actually, she seems like she's a lot of fun when I, because back when we got to interview people one-on-one before all this went down, you know, she was, she was kind of a lot of fun. And she's very nice. You know, you she's know very intelligent. Claudia, I just don't Claudia. think that she's a drinker. I think she is. I think she, she looks like a margarita gal to me. Ugh. Hmm. I think, but I think she'd be fun to sit and have drinks with. I just think Gary, who would you like to sit and have drinks with in the uh, county press conferences? I want to have drinks with the sign language interpreter. I want to have a drinks with Catherine Barger because I think there's a better chance that someone's going to get get drinks thrown upon them. <laughs> um, well, I can tell you, let's see, a couple of the people down there really like their alcohol. Let's see. You'll have to learn more tonight at five o'clock That's on right. our Instagram live and virtual for all happy those people hour. Watching, don't forget to ask Shannon about the parking garage. I was like 25. That's your excuse? Gary and Shannon are over. John and Ken, up next. We'll see you Monday. Whole different uh, world on Monday, right? Yeah. Happy happy basketball mm-hmm. for you. Blessings. Baske- day basketball. Whatever. Well, Stay dry. Goodbye. And don't think it hasn't been a little slice of heaven. Because it hasn't. Gary and Shannon. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering their robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, our prepared foods market, full bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery of available.